The only thing I want to say in front of this spoiler podcast is that I went into the podcast with the idea that we do the old, like, hey, uh, <clears throat> let's all bring up a character each or something. We'll go back around. Anyway, you can hear me start to do it, and it never actually happens. I was much happier in the end with the approach we went with in this episode where we just talked until we ran out of stuff to say and then ended. Uh, that means there are parts of the show that we neglected to cover uh, that right afterwards I thought about. For instance, I should say right now, I kind of dug Ultra Magnus's voice actor performance. I thought that was one of the stronger performances in the thing. Uh, and I don't think that came up uh, during the recording. But, uh, hey, you know, it's not comprehensive, but also it's more organic, and I'm happier with organic. Anyway. This is a spoiler podcast. The entirety of Netflix's War for Cybertron Chapter 1 Siege will be laid very pulled apart. How fascinating that they used to talk about TV shows and I had so much work. Now with kids to support, they spend maybe one episode talking about a direct-to-digital Holocaust series in Greece. I've worked here for over 12 years. Bah! Enjoy your spoilers! Boy, everybody, it's time for some amazing spoilerific talk here on WTFTFW. Netflix's Chapter 1 of the War for Cybertron trilogy, colon, Siege, colon, Chapter 1, colon, War for Cybertron trilogy, dropped... And then it turned out it was the whole season and not just one episode, thank goodness. Uh, and we're going to talk about it. And uh, and certainly, a whole lot of the, the fandom appeared to think that after about 12 hours had elapsed at 3 p.m. in the afternoon the next day, that it's pretty much like everyone's seen it, right? But uh, we're not going to roll like that. We're going to give you some ample warning here. Uh, I, w- I will also mention up front, the runtime of this season is like just over two I think it's like two hours, 17 minutes or something. Uh, so it is still shorter than some of the live-action movies. And probably should just be treated as one long movie. Uh, so if you do want to watch it, like, and you haven't seen it yet, and you're like, I don't want to watch a whole season, go in at least knowing that it's like, it's barely, it, it's actually less of a time commitment than a season of Cyberverse, I believe. Um, or at least it's less of a time commitment than all of Cyberverse. Uh, so with that said, hey, Aaron, hey, what's up? Not much. Did you actually watch the thing? Oh, were we supposed to do that before talking about it? Yeah, you're, oh, I meant to. I meant to let you know that oh. we were supposed to actually watch the thing, but it's okay. You can oh, kind shoot. of you can fake I'll, it. I'll, I'll I don't think anybody will think anybody will notice. Yeah, no one will know. No one will know. Uh, also joining us, TJ. TJ, did you uh, did you check out the the, the thing? Uh, yeah, Siege. Yeah, Siege. Check, yeah, yeah checked it out. Checked it out. Got a lot of the oh, Deluxes, Siege, not the Voyagers, like. Oh, I didn't say it was Netflix's Siege, did I? Oh, I just said Siege. Oh, oh, God. I, I've spent, okay. I've spent it, the last two weeks playing with toys. Oh no! The, I don't. You know, if we fake it, I don't think they'll. Know. I don't think anyone will know. You know, I'll, I'll leave that part out. No one will know. Right. Uh, Netflix's siege. This is uh, there's this, this interesting stuff I've learned actually since watching it, um, and and interesting stuff I knew going in. This thing's been being. It's been worked on for about two years. Uh, it is Polygon who did who did the primary animation. They also did uh, Rid twenty fifteen and Transformers Prime. Uh, and I believe that they had a hand in the Machinima Trilogy, although it's never been clear exactly what. Um, and, and a lot of the Machinima Trilogy crew came over on this one. Uh, 
as well as two of two of the best voice actors from the Machinima trilogy. So there was a lot of weird trepidation about this. I saw at least three people say they were like marathoning the Machinima trilogy to to like as the the warm up to watch this, and I really questioned doing that outside of casual masochism. But you know, each their own. But uh, this thing dropped, and uh, what I figure is like, let's start off with just a capsule thought, like how you felt after you finished the season. So uh, let's start with TJ. How did you feel after you just after you finished Siege? Uh, after I finished Siege, I think I was satisfied for the most part. Like I felt, I felt good about the series. Like animation wise, I thought it was solid. I liked the back music, the background music they went with. That's generally what Rooster Teeth does well is put in like really uh, just setting mood really well. Mm. Um, yeah, like I mean, limitations aside, because you know it's a budgeted internet series. I was happy with the result. Yeah, and I, I want to echo that I, I uh, after some observations uh, throughout the show as well, I believe this was still on a hell of a tight budget. I, I, in fact, am curious if it even was on much of a bigger budget than the Machinima series, outside of obvious things, like clearly they did more than one render pass on this show and had an audio post-production person. Uh but I, 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 there's a lot about the show that to me says this was also on a, you know, a shoestring given how, I think some of us were joking, some of us were serious about how like, well, Netflix is on this one. So money, right? And it's like, uh, maybe, maybe not tons, maybe not tons. Um, Aaron, how did you, well, this isn't a capsule. How did you feel when you finished the season? Whelmed. Yeah. Well, that's uh, <laughs> not overwhelmed. That's actually a- not underwhelmed. Just whelmed. I was going to say, not enough people have that as a reaction. Everyone always wants to start leaning, you know? And, and yeah, whelmed, uh, as, as I believe it's pronounced in some parts of your country. Uh, was it was it just the general, like, you finish it and you're like, well? A little like, bit. There, there was some stuff that were that that I thought was really good, and there was some stuff that I, I don't think hit the mark. And... Mm. It went at about uh, two thirds of the pace that it feel, yeah. felt like it should have. And yeah, I've got some and, uh, some handwritten notes here that involve a whole lot and, about the and pace, transitions uh, and discussions and animation as general. Like I, I feel like like there was just some like you know when. You ever listen to a podcast on your phone and you accidentally hit the like three quarter speed button for playback? Oh yeah, yeah. And then you're wondering why they're all talking a little bit slower than you think they should normally. And you look down at your phone and you're like, "What is going? Am I losing battery? Is it an old Walkman? Oh no! Boop. Let's go to one to one. Yeah, okay. Now it sounds normal." Um, I actually hear a lot of people listen to us on uh, 1.75. 1.75. Uh, last time I heard. I, so we really got to make it hard for them. So if they do turn us up to 1.75, they have to really deal with it. If we start going really fast and like making sure it's really difficult for them to keep up with us, and they'll think, well, wait, did I hit the wrong button on my phone to go up to 2.75? And then they turn us back down. And then when they time us back down, they're like, wait, that was too much. I've wanted to do that bit ever since someone like looked me in the eye and said I listened to it on 1.75. <laughs> but, uh, no, no, I mean, that... <laughs> If I if I had to say my biggest overall hot take would be that oh good 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 lord good like lord. it needed to pick up the pace through everything 
but <laughs> wow, that's divisive what you just said. Pick up the uh, I'm I kid. That was a <laughs> that was a very pleasant that was like a that was like a, a nicely microwave potato heat of hot take. That was a, a comfort food hot take. Uh, which I feel is kind of like what, what I've seen from a lot of a lot of folks. Even the ones kind of get kind of railing on it. At the end of the day, if you talk to someone for for a few minutes, it's like kind of. I had I had a, a, a similar reaction to some folks I've heard, uh, which is I, I was sort of slightly above whelmed. Um, I think because my expectations were very very low, uh, and it definitely exceeded those. I would tell anyone who's concerned about Machinima, for instance, this is on a different dimension from the Machinima series, uh, as far as presentation and production. Uh, it, it is an actual, professionally <laughs> delivered animation production. Uh, and and I would say that in in the grand scheme of Transformers, I'm still kind of holding to this. I feel I would put it around about the same tier as Galaxy Force, um, which is not meant to really be a dig on it or, like, a huge compliment. It's just, like, I, I consider Galaxy Force to be a sort of, you know, a, a, in my memory, a watchable mid-tier Transformers animation. And I would say Siege is around about in the same spot. It doesn't have identical qualities to Galaxy Force, so don't take it as a one-to-one. But, like, when I add everything up in my head, that's kind of where I feel it ends up. Uh, after I finished it, I was like, yeah, that was neat. I was I watched that. That was cool. I'd watch another one. I'm glad that uh, Jason Marnoka and Frank Totoro get to be in something of that quality uh, and not like have a lot of their legacy be left behind in the Machinima series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that really should get mentioned more often. I, I have a lot to say about voice acting and direction about the show. It's like kind of one of my biggest focuses. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I was like, no, nah, it was all right. And I, I'm also going to say, I think that this is a series that it is incredibly easy to think was really good. And I think it's incredibly easy to have hated it. Uh, I, I do not blame anyone for whom this series bounced off of because, uh, it, it's, it's not like it's like smart Transformers media and it's going to be divisive and debatable, but on its very base tone and its very base, like uh, mission statement that I believe was a mission statement. If, if, uh, if, if you're just kind of like, hey, I love Transformers, I remember them, they're cool, and, you, and you're kind of like mostly in the toys, and you're not really deep, deep in the last, you know, ten years of the media, it probably will hit a lot better, um, and I think for a lot of folks for whom it bounced off of, uh, obviously not across the board, but I think if you've really been into Transformers cartoons and comics for the last decade, there's a lot about this that would really feel uh, dour to the point of boring. Uh, and so I, I really don't blame anyone who bounced the hell off of this. I've seen plenty of that on Twitter, as well as people for whom this is one of the best things they've seen in a while, uh, Transformers-wise. Um, so I guess it hits the capsules. Uh, I'm a little, a little eager to talk about the, the voice acting, because it also kind of touches on one of the big pacing issues, as Aaron uh, colorfully described. Um, and I, I want to lay this out. I, I don't know if you guys agree with me or not. I don't think any voice actor did a bad job in this. Uh, I've seen a lot of people coming down on the actors. Uh, I've seen a lot of people trashing on the Optimus Prime voice actor, who is the same Optimus from Cyberverse. Um, And I don't think any of the actors did a bad job. I think the voice director, who was the same one from the Machinima Productions, uh, really dropped a ball as far as inspiring people to... Uh, reach out with their performances. I feel the strongest performances broke out of an incredibly, uh, I would say, misguided voice direction of 
let's all sound angry and tired. We got one take Jake yeah. back is what it seems like. Every, Say these words. Every, all right. Good. Next one. Say these words. Good. You got specifically, it. We got the studio for one day. Boom, boom, boom. Actually, so um, one friend of mine mentioned that it, that some some of the show sounded like it might have been done remotely, and they did delay production on this. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a a, a number of lines that were recorded at home in an at home studio. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I I think that the like, and I'm going to specifically say for the male voices, it felt like literally everyone was directed to sound uh, angry and tired. Every Decepticon character was also asked to speak from the throat to some degree. And then you had your breakouts. It sounded like Jason Marnoka and Frank Totoro were left alone. Uh, and that's good because they, they don't, they, they are, they have very good voices and their direction was more for like scene tone or whatever. That's fine. They stuck out obviously as two of the strongest voices in the whole thing, uh, performance wise. I feel like Wheeljack, for some reason, everyone really loved, found a, they, they're like, hey, this, this dude sounds a lot like Wheeljack. Really let Wheeljack go. Wheeljack also was really lively and stuff. I think Ratchet's voice actor, um, did a very good job, uh, and, and was like the best of the angry, tired voices. Mm-hmm. But, but boy, howdy. And it, and it extended into the pacing as well. For some reason, every female voice actor, as far as sounding angry and tired, sounded kind of left alone. But even then, a number of them felt pulled into this sort of, uh, stage dramatic pacing of bite into every consonant. It, so, yeah. If, if, or, yeah go it ahead, feels go like the director is very heavy on, like, look, this is like the tail end of a four million year old war. I need everyone to sound exactly like that. Just yeah. very exhausted from how long this battle goes. And when you see the series and you see so many, like, broken bodies on the ground everywhere, you see, you know, injured Transformers just stacked up against the wall in the bases, like, okay, I get why, like, the direction would be, okay, you are completely done with this. This has gone on way too long and everyone is exhausted. And they mentioned, like, yeah, we've got, like, three sticks of Energon left and th- that's mm-hmm. it. So, maybe just a little bit too heavy with it, but I understand where it came from, at least. Yeah, it's, uh, the the word I would use to describe it, and this is not meant to be insulting, it's just, it's the best word I can think of, it, it was a very adolescent decision. It's like, when I was writing fanfic coming out of high school, like, like or you're, you know, you're writing roleplay characters coming right out of high school, subtlety usually is not in your repertoire, so when you're writing like this is the end of the Cybertronian Civil War, it's like, and everyone sounds like this, and it's like, okay, cool, cool. But once you mature past that a little bit, like, like I feel really bad saying it, but I was watching it, and there were times where I was redoing lines in my own head, going like, this line would have actually been way more in the tone, even, <laughs> and also a lot more interesting to listen to with like tweaks here and there even and sadly yes even just speed of delivery mm-hmm. tweaks uh which in my own limited experience speaking very slowly is like a really basic direction to give people and it's a very basic mode to enter when you perhaps are maybe left floundering without a lot of uh deep direction to, yeah, to operate it, off of i mean to to my point on that I I don't know if some of it would seem like stretch even because it wasn't just their speaking tone, but it was like, all mm. right, let's go back to the arc. Four, five, six, turn, four, five, start walking that way. And yeah, it's like, visual pacing, there, there was... are plenty of times it's like, oh no, we need to get back to the arc. 
you know, the classic line, Autobots transform and roll out, which it's a different, not a whole lot of transforming happening in this Transformers show. But we'll set that aside because I know we'll talk about it again. But then it would be like, pause, like camera comes back so that you get to see the majority of them turn and then start going. I, I saw that happen a couple of times and it was just like, you can you have that tight shot show them start to turn and then just cut to them moving the, like the, I'm, I'm like of two minds about it because i the one thing i do want to say is i really appreciated the camera moving in this yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh as opposed as like it's 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 a sort of a separate talking point but like the, a lot about the show looked storyboarded and like that is me taking a dig at machinima because a lot of machinima didn't even feel storyboarded to mm-hmm. me uh but yeah, he, he, like a lot of the the, the visual pacing, uh, I had to keep reminding myself that the opening title card said a Netflix original anime series, and a thing I'm really curious about is whether or not most of the animation was done before the voice acting or not, because the lip flaps were definitely matched up in some cases. But if it's I, if times, it's CGI like that, it's probably easy enough to be like English dot lip flap. Japanese yeah, dot or at least lip go flap. and go in and tweak it after Italian the fact, I guess. Pla- yeah, but I, I get the I get the feeling that at least in some cases, some of those performances also sounded like they were acting to the picture, um, maybe, and that the picture had been like, decided like already this, this, as far as pacing. We, we, your dialogue here has to be three point seven seconds. Yeah, not not like right to you know beep 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 stuff like yeah. uh, like uh, dub voice actors have shared before, but. Uh, Alita, especially, um, I felt I, like I really liked Alita's voice, and I felt like her performance was getting pulled between matching certain timings. And I would swear at times it sounded like she was getting line read, uh, just because like her natural speaking voice I felt came through now and then, and then larger, like more important lines to the plot felt like they were getting stretched out in a way, performance wise. Um, which, which was a bummer because I thought she was doing a very good job and it felt like she was dealing with uh, with direction that was meddling more than it was informing. Yeah. Um, and I only say this, like, I was thinking about it. It was when I heard the third or fourth character sound angry and tired that I was, like, really squinting, going, like, these performances are fine. I, I And I, I, like, took so much issue with what I heard in the Shockwave performance but also, the voice actor did a fine job. It's not like it was a badly acted performance. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I question every decision made that wasn't the yeah. actual quality of the acting yeah, of this performance. It, it seemed like both on Auto- Autobots and Decepticon sides, while all of the all of them seemed to have each side had the same like default that I don't think really got straight away from. Like you can you no. can have Okay, you've got Red Alert as your medic, and yeah, he's a medic, and he's you know scavenging parts off of one to save another, whatever. There are still variations you could have inside of that 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 still yeah. keep that same character, but don't make him sound like the same angry with the the world and situation that then you know Cog who was in there was, or or anybody else, any of the cog recolors which why are there no cog recolors come on hasbro 
Five, five, five pack cover, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, yeah. And, and like, I think Cog actually was a very good voice yeah. in this, too. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But it's like they all, like you said, uh, it, they all ha- seem to have the same direction of, you know, you could have Cog be a little bit, up, uh, you know, upbeat. Hey, you know, after this mission, maybe we'll get what we need. It, you can still have him yeah. sound yeah. like he's sad about that, but that there's, you know, maybe he's kind of the optimist. He's, he's the guy in the group that's trying to keep everybody a little bit lighter. You could have Ultra Magnus, you know, explain more into why he was doing it the way that he was doing it um, it, it, for for where he was going rather than just the same dour, grumpy blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It, It just comes across that everyone was supposed to have the same bleak, hopeless outlook because, hey, this has gone on a really, really long time. You know, mm-hmm. we're not we're not used to that in Transformers, where like the weight of where where the direction is trying to convey like the weight of a four million year war, whereas like in G one or Prime or something, we still have upbeat and like younger characters yeah. who are still all about this, and this is just like everyone's been at this for too long, and everyone yeah. is just sick of it, and and, and, and yeah, that's and also just, that's why I would call just it like, be shown in an environment or, as well. You know. That's also why I would call it like such a, a sort of adolescent take on it is that um, you know speaking of the environment like it's also dark and rainy so often mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's 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 like making a sugar cookie and literally just it's sugar and flour and butter that's what I made I made a cookie that's sugar that you can chew on and it's like okay it's like fine but. I feel there's so much room for nuance, even with this setting, and it felt to me like the nuance lay in the hands of the actors who were able to punch their way out of the tent, mm-hmm. uh, in, in a way, and it, it's a shame. Like the, A lot of the actors' performances sounded the best when they were... <laughs> I don't know how to put this other way. When it sounded like they were they were speaking and acting more naturally. Like, Cog has excellent moments where he's like, angry yeah almost with optimus and he's like he's like this doesn't make any sense and i was like no nah, that works for me that that's a really good performance jake foshi's optimus prime uh some of his best lines are the ones where he sounds the least like peter cullen that's i'm gonna go into that in like about a minute uh but yeah the 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 director i really like i really hold the director responsible for a lot of this and i, I think it's also telling that like some of the characters who spoke the least and maybe thus were the ones who were recorded in the least amount of time, also sounded the most natural. Uh, Kaiser Johnson, uh, which is a great name, who played Ironhide, he he had a handful of lines, and certainly it wasn't like an Ironhide voice, but it was a really good voice. It was just like a good speaking voice. Um, And uh, I really want to highlight Ellie Main as Moonracer, who sounded awesome and was completely wasted, but sounded awesome, and I, I looked up who she is. Uh, and she, I think, may like she. She's worked with Rooster Teeth before, and she's a podcast host. So she was like sort of an in-house slash influencer cast. It, it felt like, and uh, in that, it felt like maybe that she was just left alone to just perform. And and all the female characters, it felt like, also were left alone to perform a little bit more um, than uh, than they were than some of their the male counterparts in the cast uh which which again just makes me start i'm inventing a, a lot in my head hypothesis wise about like how this voice direction went perhaps not even just the director but the sessions themselves um rc's voice actor who is windblade um 
from uh, Cyberverse uh, kicked ass because also she was good as Windblade and RC was in the best episode. So she, <laughs> she had she had a lot of room, I think. But yeah, I don't want to keep harping on it. But TJ, do you have another point you wanted to make? Um, not especially. Like okay, I I I didn't want to keep stomping. <laughs> no, it's fine. Like we we've kind we've kind of like beaten it over. Like it, it feels like the direction was off, and they were trying too hard to convey you know the situation of the world, which we kind of get. You know, we don't. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we kind of want more variety in our cast yeah. besides doom and gloom. Yeah, and and, and like I, just quickly on on Optimus Prime, I also want to say that like I think that it's a tremendous disservice to Jake to keep asking him. No, to keep telling him with pay to do this Peter Cullen impersonation, especially in this series where Megatron was not a Welker impersonation whatsoever. It was the uniquely Jason Marnoka Megatron. Well, that's it, the, it was. That's kind of the thing in Transformers, isn't it? Like Optimus and Starscream always kind of have to sound like the original, but Megatrons kind of get away with doing whatever they want, series to series. Yeah, and it just unchained the Optimus voice. Like I've seen, I've seen obviously more on places like Facebook groups where people are like, "Well, the problem was they didn't have Cullen and Welker." And I'm like, "No, I'm like, I'm like, that's no. not the problem. There are problems. That ain't the problem, my man. Like, we, <laughs> that's not the issue. And 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 part of the reason why I think that keeps being seen as the issue is that half of the main cast, like of the two leader characters, one of them, they keep trying to get people who sound like Peter Cullen." Uh, and they got to stop. It's it's frustrating to me, and I think it's insulting to the actors. Uh, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I had to get that off my chest when I found out that that was Cyberverse Optimus, and that people were just dogging on him hard. I was like, oh boy, like this 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 dude is doing a good job. He is being given nothing to work with, and he's doing a good job. Like we got to lay off Jake Foshi. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Uh. But uh, yeah, uh, totally the whole thing. I, I, this is this sort of can can naturally segue into a thing of tone as well. Uh, the tone of the show was definitely dour and dark, uh, and I also feel that 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 falls into my same sort of critique of like you you don't actually have to you don't have to make the entire sugar cookie out of sugar um, for it to to accomplish its task. I think episode five especially proved to me there was so much more room in this for world building and not even for levity, because that's where I find a lot of people tend to go. But like you, you, you don't have to all be angry and tired to get across the state of the world. And uh, the, the sequence of Sound Blaster, to me, was such a welcome thing. Yes. And it, it kills me that it was in the back third of episode five and the front third of episode six, and that was it. And I was like, that was the most interesting thing this entire show did. And that whole idea of exploring what the world looks like in this apocalyptic setting yeah. should have been the series. Yeah, and that, yeah. that's the sort of thing that uh, I was I was meaning to say. Of like, this is definitely a place where you can kind of show, not tell. You know, have, you know, the, you know, where sound blaster is you know oh yeah this used to be the you know the the casino at whatever and you do one of those um um thanos infinity war like pan from one to the other type of thing so you can see like oh there used to be some pretty beautiful great things in cybertron and now it's this you know wrecked that's the house of blast now, yeah now it's now it's this thing with 
with this off-color knockoff reject clone dude instead. Excuse me? I, Excuse uh, me? Love, yeah. I love that scene. Yeah. I love that scene where you go, he really does look like Soundwave. Yeah. Flanked by two guys who look exactly like Impactor and no one mentions yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, the impactor alike's like, oh, we're used to that. He, it turns out he hired all of or, them. But yeah, or the, even like the, the, the space actually... bridge that they're around a bunch that, you know, obviously has this big hole knocked through the side of it and all the other stuff messed up around it. You mm-hmm. can be like, man, don't you remember when you could just space bridge off to Velocitron and go racing there since that was kind of Bumblebee shtick, maybe? Like, you could have, like, you know, the, the same way to draw a little bit of time if that's what they needed. And you have the the clean version of it with a bunch of your repaints walking around, and the space bridge goes, and then next stop, Bestia, and then like, I, I could see that doing flashbacks was like outside of their purview as far as the the maybe but funds yeah, available like, to them. I feel like I feel like that's outside their budget more Man, than anything. I don't know though because that's some of I mean, that could yeah. be like even just the ruined highways. It'd be, e- it'd yeah, be like, easy enough to show you don't have to show the old times, but just like, well, I don't no, know. I, I think world building. I, I think more that even within budget, because you're going to have all of that stuff. You've put all the rubble on the highway. You remove the rubble. You change the lights. Oh, but someone's going to, someone is about to kick our ass well, in the comments section for saying, just remove I, the rubble. I mean, like, you I, know I'm, it, right? I'm yeah, sure that there's uh-huh. more complexities to it than that, but I'm saying it's not like they'd have to go and re-rig an entirely new, I mean, some things Location. would be like, some things would be like the out, like the whole outer structure of the space bridge would have to be like fully assembled yeah. and like. Well, there in, was one side that wasn't destroyed. Shape. You just shoot it from the other side. In, in, in which case, I would also say like, there's, there's, and maybe they were they were in here and they were very well implemented. But you know, there's also room for matte paintings. Yeah. Uh, in these things and matte paintings, you know, they're they're a part of production. They they can look really cool. Uh. Yeah, I just I feel there was so much more room for. I mean, you know, there's so many people who take this criticism as like, well, do you want it to be goofy and silly? And it's like, no, but like, you know, all due respect, Cyberverse mixed tones way better mm-hmm. than than this series yeah. did. I, 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 I think I think like as far as like being like just that overwhelmingly like just negative in his presentation i I think the best example is what what happened to bumblebee in this series yeah um he 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 uh actually i I, it was really interesting what they were gonna felt like they were gonna be doing with him until he got a brain full of uh full of code but uh yeah like like it's weird to say like the most interesting thing about bumblebee is he starts off so dour when he's usually the least dour character Yeah. yeah And I'm like, I'm like, I, I, I kind of wish this was more like in the opening scene when it's him and Wheeljack. It was really interesting to me because Wheeljack was one of the performances that broke free of the tent, and he sounded like a tired but still, you know, animate character who is Wheeljack. And having this sort of dour Bumblebee bump bounce off of him, I was like, this is really cool. And it's when we go to the arc and everyone else starts talking, and I'm like, oh man, like you're all Bumblebee too. Like, stop it. <laughs> It's, it's just this bumblebee shtick. Yeah, I mean, but it's not. That's the thing, though. It's like it, it's weird that that is bumblebee's shtick because he's usually the upbeat, optimistic young Autobot that's supposed to be like the bright point in this war. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he's supposed to be like, like that. That's supposed to be why he's important to the Autobot cause because he's that 
upbeat and hopeful still. Yeah, he's the optimism for the future. Exactly. I I I really liked though like like um going off that take, the little bit of it that came back in episode 5, the fact that he has like underworld connections was fascinating yeah. to me. Like like it, it was a cool way to twist that character. It's just yeah, it's it's a shame that like twisting the character just made him inadvertently like everyone yeah. else. Yeah, the they they didn't twist the character so much as break it. <laughs> Well, uh, the thing is, though, then I felt that the breaking thing was when he got the protocols put in his brain, and then he became the more optimistic Optimus Prime cultist. Yeah. And and it, it sort of, I mean, that that's another whole bullet point, the Alpha Tron protocols and the virus. But um, then he lost the protocols, thing. so back to square yeah. one? I don't... At least he didn't, uh, I, more than one person I talked to said that they thought when he woke up he was also going to have lost his memory and his speech, and uh, I, I'm glad that they did not... Like this, this show kind of quietly stole so much from Cyberverse and IDW two. I was like, at least they didn't take that as well. Like having him go mute. Like, yeah, let's leave that alone at least. Yeah, I'm tired of that being like the default Bumblebee. Like Cyberverse was even tired of it halfway through episode one when mm-hmm. they actually go in his brain. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, what's up? I'm I'm brain Bumblebee. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, I I, I think. If it worked for you tonally as a viewer, it's like, well, yeah, it did the thing it's supposed to do. I just, I think that it, it really, there's not much argument when someone says they wanted more and more nuance and more, more flavor out of it. I think that's a very valid criticism. Uh, cause it, it I, I, did, I haven't watched it a second time. And my first watch through, I actually didn't even mind the pacing that much, but I watched it at three in the morning. Uh, and I was I was having a very down day, and this was my exciting thing to do. So I think there's a very good chance that like between that and not knowing what was going to happen, I was very locked in anyway. Uh, but uh, anything else? Anything else about the tone you guys want to do, or shall we go into uh, another natural segue from that? Would be the visual quality of the show because uh, I actually have really nice things you know, to say about. The only the thing quality. like tone wise that comes to mind is more toward just. Uh, the wrap up in episode six, and I think we'll get to, we'll get to that point. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, that that is also going to be the return of pacing, as far <laughs> as another thing to talk about. Boy, howdy! <laughs> talk, talking about setting the podcast to one point seven five, right? <laughs> uh, but but visually, I want to. I kind of want to shower the thing with compliments uh, visually, uh, because we knew we saw in the trailers it's it's toy CAD models rigged with skeletons for the most part. Uh, I think the trailers made the show look 10 times worse. Um, the first 10 minutes of the show to me felt like, like a step up in quality from what the trailers had shown me. Uh, visually, I think they did a great job. I think that they very smartly shrouded a lot of stuff in darkness, which is in, in CG a great way to hide some of the weaker joins in the models and stuff, or just some of the weakness of these being the CAD models. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that uh, the thing that really took me aback in a good way was how animate a lot of the eyes were, Optimus Prime's eyes especially. Um, and when I was reminded these were the folks who worked on Prime, I was like, oh, right, Prime was really good about eyes as well. Um, and I think that's important when these characters are so shrouded in darkness and their eyes are two focal points that are glowing. Uh, I, I really appreciated that the eyes had emotion in them in this uh, it, it helped a lot, especially with all the, the copious close-ups and everything. And, and 
and this, you know, the, the visually, visually, the dour tone was awesome to me. The darkness, the rain, the the gloom. Uh, Megatron having paintings of himself up in his headquarters mm-hmm. and giving these these deafening political speeches that are like complete radicalized garbage. And like it was, it was uh, you know, hearing his voice over a loudspeaker talking about uh about surrender stations in a dingy alleyway which just makes you immediately go like oh those must just be suicide boots yeah it's like <laughs> like i I, the, the, I just kept imagining oh yeah the autobots line up at the surrender station they go in there's a big of white light the wisp of smoke and then they're like next <laughs> it's just a car compactor <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this, every time one goes in, there's like a and the little cube pops out. Like, oh no, no, that was just their Autobot badge. That was their Autobot <laughs> yeah, badge yeah, the, that yeah, came out. Uh, the Decepticon like alliance pledge is in old Cybertronian. It sounds like metal being crushed. Don't worry. Yeah, it's it's a hazing thing. You know, we we bang them on the back of the head once with a stick and go like, get that Autobot out of you. Uh, get yeah. Visually, I, I also in the animation. Uh, I mean, there is a kind of a joke to make. My friend Jen has made about how Megatron is constantly walking out from a cloud of smoke in almost every scene where he walks into the frame. That was in his writer. But every time he transitions into a scene, it has to be either through darkness or smoke. We we were starting to to to, to gag a little bit about how he like one of the reflectors must just be like his PA who has a smoke machine. And it's like, this is your one job. <laughs> when I'm standing behind a column listen, listening to gossip and I'm going to go in and troll him and go like, I heard that. Get the smoke machine going first. So I look menacing. Uh, but also, thematically, that's the thing. Step out of the fog. Um, and, and the one last thing I really want to highlight uh, is this show did have to cover for a lot still. Uh, it covered for stuff the way Machinima did. You know, some there's a lot of transformations that are off screen or you just hear them happen. This show would match those with things like camera moves or or cuts on action and things that that you know are basic production <laughs> elements but it it did those and i thought that that was a great um thing to see to to smooth some of those joins to to you know account for what i think was not a very high budget uh and, and I guess the last last thing I'll throw in, there were a couple transformations on screen, and they were really good to look at. And and uh, no one agrees with me on this. I actually think that there was enough transforming in this show. Because <laughs> I've seen that, Aaron, you mentioned it, and I've seen it bounce around a lot. But, like, truly, I, I felt like everyone transformed enough there's, in the show. There's a few scenes where it's very noticeable that characters who are in a hurry and should transform aren't because they haven't budgeted their vehicle mode or transformation animation. Yes. Did we, did Wheeljack sure, transform? Sure. Did Bumblebee transform? Uh, well, Bumblebee, Bumblebee was too busy uh-huh. <laughs> with the burden of scavenging. <laughs> like, I'm fine with uh, Shockwave, Soundwave not transforming because I feel like even in this, they were mostly, like, always back at base. And so that, to me, isn't so much of an issue. But, you know, the the guys that are going from place to place, did we see a Ratchet Ironhide alt mode at any point? Well, Ironhide never left, Ironhide never left the room he was in. Right. Uh, did and you I, see... I don't know if he even got out of the chair. <sighs> okay, did... Well, I'm I'm just saying because they're the same alt mode. Oh no! So the transformations we saw: Megatron transformed a couple times. Uh, Optimus transformed. Sideswipe transformed. Hound had a very detailed transformation. Mm-hmm. The Seeker model transformed, and Jetfire transformed. Okay, so that's six. Uh, 
Yeah, and, and a lot of the transformation... And Cog yeah, became a gun backpack twice? Cog, yeah, Cog, Cog transformed as well. I should, yeah, I, should, I should add him in there. I actually really liked that that was his alt mode, and they didn't, like, go nuts trying to figure out how to make him get into that vehicle mode. They're just like, he just turns into guns. <laughs> yeah. It's all good. So, like, th- so there's, uh, like, six and a half transformation models in this. Yeah, out of, uh, so, so that's, like, let's say six. Let's just call Cog, let's say six, seven, yeah, if we're including. Be nice I say Cog's a transformation. Uh... That means RC, Bumblebee, uh, Ratchet Ironhide, the Impactors, uh, that's four who didn't transform, the Prowl, the Prowls didn't transform, mm-hmm. that's five. Ultra Magnus. Ultra Magnus, that's Reflector. six. Reflector, Shockwave, Soundwave, so that's nine. So nine to six, if we then, you know, add in the part where one of those models was the Seekers who accounts for about half the Decepticon cast along with the Reflectors... Uh, and was the most active model in action sequences where they did transform. Like to me, it just it it well narratively evens out for the most did part. Did any of the f- what about the RC or Elite One or Moonracer? RC was on my list. Um, oh yeah, Chrome, well Chromia is Moonracer. Uh, I, did, wait, did she transform at one point? Crap, I can't remember. I, I don't think I feel so. Like she if, if she did, it was not. At any point of focal, but I, I've had like episode one panning here again, and, and just v- talk, talking I, about I all of it just to have visuals. The scene where Prime and Megatron fight, and then our heroic Autobots and Energon Scavenger have to get away, and they all run away on foot from the people That's with jets were bombs. because two That's of them can't transform. Like, yeah, it's too noisy. It's too noisy if they transform. They got to they got to stay low. It's stealth. <laughs> Uh, TJ, what were you saying? I thought I, I heard you earlier. Yeah, I was. I do remember seeing Chromia's vehicle mode. I don't see. I don't remember seeing a transformation sequence though. If if she had a vehicle mode, I think she was rigged. Because uh, a lot of people, I think, miss sideswipe transforming, and his was actually, I think, a really good one. Uh, which was go go chase down that thing that we shot down. He jumps through a wall and transforms. Uh, so I, I don't know, like like. I don't want to like. I wouldn't like go to bat to the point of like having like a lengthy debate about it. But like, I I just feel like there was there was enough transformation in this, and it also looked good uh, as opposed to Machinima's habit of making the character model just start spinning around, mm. and then they would hard cut it. Like in one frame, it would be the robot. Next frame, it would be the vehicle, or vice versa. Yeah. Still spinning around. Uh, I think the ones that did the most transforming were anyone aerial, seekers, yeah. jet fire, like. Because that, that was mostly jump up and wings come out. Yeah, and I mean it's also as a as a model the the siege seekers transformation is fairly straightforward to do. It's not like a very complicated thing mm-hmm. uh, since they're kind of curling up under the wings. Um, but yeah, like like I I, I just I, I had to say it because I've seen so many people say there wasn't enough to the point where I think some folks have forgotten some characters transformed who did, so I, was, I wanted to put my little words out there. But, uh, TJ, was, what about visually, it, like, I, I feel like you, you're you sort of um, digging it, too. Like, it's it's a Rooster Teeth production. You're familiar with those. It sounds like it's up to mm. par. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would say. I mean, every Rooster Teeth production goes for something different art style-wise, so it's not like I compare it to you know, like uh, a Ruby or Genlock or anything else they've done in the past. But they get it. Like, they actually do put a lot of effort into just the the visual presentation of what they do and making sure that 
it conveys the world that they're in. So everyone's banged up. Everything's super dark and gritty because, you know, it's a, it's a nearly dead world at the end of a four million year old war. Mm. I, you know, I would expect everything to look the way it did. I would expect it to look dark and grim and everything busted up. And, you know, visually, that's exactly what I got. And that that part, I think they did a great job conveying. Yeah. Uh, and, and and even on the character models, like the it was nice to see Siege's visual intent actually realized mm-hmm. where everyone had wear and tear on them, but they had wear and tear on their whole bodies. So it actually <laughs> looked pretty cool. Like I actually really dug how Ultra Magnus looked in this, and I kept remembering, like, all right, on his toy, it's mostly around like his crotch and then like parts of his shins or his calves. I can't mm-hmm. remember whereabouts his his paint wear is, but uh it, it 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 makes a good case for those Netflix toys as well, like just with the upped paint work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it uh, it does. I'm trying to look now. Like I really wish now that uh I really wish that the Walmart Megatron had that accurate like clawing and bullet holes in his chest. Just get yourself a soldering iron. Oh, I just well, I, mean, I actually so- I, no no I just got one. Okay. Soldering irons, though, I mean, they're, they're kind of expensive. You can just get the three, the three zero DLX Megatron that I think just well, got revealed. Look, all I need is recording. a stick that heats up. Okay. <laughs> well, the, the DLX Megatron has the gouges in him, though. It's all, it's all there. Uh, I actually really, I really liked the brushed metal texture on Megatron. I think it really helped his face when his face was in motion and in close-ups. Uh, I think it also helped smooth out the 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 lip meme that everyone's been getting in on. I, I think the the lips are there they they don't stick out to me as much as they seem to for a lot of other people uh but i think the brush metal texture on his face helped uh blend those in a lot um aaron visually uh have you got any any other thoughts like how it was delivering to you um again i think it's a place where i'm i'm rather whelmed i think that the character models looked good for being like obviously super jazzed up toy cad models um mm. I think that might be a, a good benefit out of Hasbro's process of being very digital now, um, being able to just say like, "Hey, here's exactly what they look like," because um, you have a dot model file, you know, and that then they were able to, you know, pep it up with, you know, between wear and and dirty it up, you know, grunge it up some, um, but. Mm. I don't know. There's there's still some other things that just catch my eye that are the very, you know, toyetic, you know, Ultra Magnus on his shoulder pylons have the bullet hit spots. Yep, the those little pegs you on know, everyone. The, the little uh, pegs, maybe... all the places that there's five <laughs> yeah. millimeter ports that have some of them have been turned into vents, some of them are just odd holes into the back of their arm for no seeming reason. It's yeah. a c- I mean, cyber interface. I mean, yeah. when you when you when you hand just like raw CAD mo- models to an animator and go here, just you know, shore this up and like animate it, give it a skeleton. They don't know what peg is accurate to the character. They don't know what gap is supposed to be there. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And to to their credit, look at Alpha Trion and Alita One, who were not toy CAD models. And those, I mean, granted, the Alita One is a standout visual in the entire series mm-hmm. in part because of that. Uh, although I, I, I liked the, the toyetic detail of the double ball joint stalks that were connecting her backpacks pieces yeah. to her, to her, to her shoulders. Like that still felt kind of toyetic, even though I was like, yeah, it's not, 
That ain't, that ain't what the toy looks like, but <laughs> that doesn't matter. This actually looks better yeah. uh, in a lot of ways. But, you know, um, in, in some of those cases, it looks really good. In others, um, again, I'm sitting here you know, watching Red Alert talking close up, watching Bubble Bee talking close up. Again, I, I think it's a case where the faces are the faces are pretty good. Um, I just feel like maybe there's some other smoothing that that could maybe be done. the The vertical lines in the metal seem like there's an interface point like just below the nose where nothing changes. So they so can like see where the motion. So parts are. yeah, so it's like okay, the the bottom of the eyes because they do have good like. I squint to, to to like in around um even sometimes blinking oddly enough sitting here watching it go but then there's just this chunk where it's like this is the boundary layer where the eyes are separate and the mouth is separate but like if you go ooh really big you know you you, you see somebody get hurt and you're like oh you know that affects your whole cheeks up into your eyes and it's yeah. it's motion like that that just gets into some of that fine scale that that just occasionally like catches the eye oddly that isn't as bad. I don't, I don't think when it's at the medium range, but when, and I saw it with Megatron earlier too, as I'm panning through this first episode again, when it's up close and personal and you see like the metal grain vertical, it makes it pretty clear that there's like, this is the mouth box. These are the eye boxes and there's no relationship between them. I, I, I actually that reminds me. I wanted to throw in a little little Megatron detail. I did appreciate is every now and then they gave him a half sneer on his upper lip, mm-hmm. uh, which is above and beyond what I thought the show would be capable of doing. Which again, my low expectations. Uh, as far as joins, there's actually there was there was one that really stuck out to me badly. Uh, I'm gonna open positively and say I actually didn't really notice or mind when characters were moving in ways the toys couldn't. Uh, in their midsections, particularly because a lot of the greeble on them sort of masks that mm-hmm. for my eyes. But there is a, there is a part in episode five or six, I can't remember which, when when Starscream's having his fight with Jetfire and then turns to leave. Starscream does like an ab crunch twist movement, and it makes his cockpit window look like gelatin because <laughs> it just it just bends and because the bottom tip of it stays hooked into his his pelvis while everything else starts twisting to one side and it just stays connected. And I was kind of like, y'all, maybe don't oh, like just make the whole make the whole window make the whole window part of something yeah. or not. Like, <laughs> well, then it's like there actually is the cut there for the waist. The visual cut that underneath cut, everything well, too, because it's it's like the bottom semicircle of the cockpit window when it's on his chest. I think that one is a separate piece. I don't have. I got the figure I don't here. Have a seat. Yeah. Uh, his cockpit window actually ends above the the waist altogether on the toy. Okay. Um, well, it's just at, at least is, on the the model as it's sitting there. It looks like there's a line that runs across from the top of the skirt part that runs across that. Yep, it's there on the toy, and over. too. It's, uh, so th- that would be a thing to me that, like, when he does a torso twist, they're robots. They're not oddly metal-sheathed things. Like, uh, they, like They don't need to have a mid-torso like, like, do part of the twist. Yeah, like, like you can have, like, that cut line be a rotate as the two parts are separate because i mean earlier scenes with the various 
like car guys, the red alert side swipes, like they had the same toy elbow where it comes down, it's a ball or it's a, a, a circle and then it's a big cut piece around the forearm that shows you exactly what their maximum limits are and their arms were moving around that. Like they weren't trying to like take that, take the arm straight, knock out the, the cut for the toy elbow and then make that be a thing. Like yeah, that, like they're that, that it, actually, it's odd. It's odd ways that they hung the the model on the animation skeleton. That reminds me that also that that show um, really finally hit home to me how funny looking Earthrise Wheeljack's arms are. Because mm-hmm. I, I didn't really think of them as funny looking. I just felt like yeah, the elbow's in a weird place. But seeing it as an animation model, I was like, oh, those arms are really long, and that elbow's in a really weird place. Oh nuts. <laughs> I still like that toy, but oh nuts. Um Well, that that's uh that hits a lot of the a lot of the main, I think, like meat and bones of of the structure of the thing. I think that hits a lot of a lot of the, the roots of, of positives and negatives, which means we can get into little fiddly details now. Um Let's let's just start hitting like uh, like like bullet points like we did in yonder olden days when there was there was TV transformers that we were talking about. Um, TJ, I'll start with you. Have you got uh, just like grab grab a bullet point you want to talk about? Throw it at us. Ah, now I'm trying to think. Speedball. <laughs> now I'm trying to think. I didn't prepare bullet points like we used to. Well, I mean, <clears throat> character names are bullet points too. We can just start talking about characters. I can I can always I, I got two. I can go off about real positive hardcore. But I'm curious if they come up at all beforehand. Mm. We've mentioned them, but we, we well, we've mentioned everyone in the series at this point. Yeah, it's, oh, it's yeah. not we difficult. All their names. Yeah. You literally yeah. made the list. <laughs> yep. Um, actually, I have a quick one that that was my last evidence about the budget. Uh, did y'all? Because because I know there were a lot of folks who were kind of going like, you know, why didn't they use these characters? These characters. So I got a feeling that even rigging some of those toy cads with skeletons they couldn't do everyone uh because i mean one of the jokes about the show right is those shots of extras where they're all the same one to three characters Mm -hmm. yeah um and and to me i'm like yeah if they had like if they had rigged every single cad model up with skeletons those would have been populated with so many upscaled head swap micromasters that we wouldn't have even been saying anything i mean it's not Uh, even really that like i understand where Maybe swapping ahead is not the easiest thing to do in a lot of situations. Maybe it's not as simple as just throw a new head on or like, because otherwise we'd probably see a lot more cone heads amongst all those seekers Mm -hmm. than we did. Oh, yeah. 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 Like that, because that's even the easiest one to do. Just take the face and put a cone over it. (laughs) Yeah. Or even even just between the the red alerts and the uh, the prowls, we probably would have seen more a couple of red yeah. alerts with v-fins and yeah, stuff the, like yeah. it certainly can't be that easy the only thing that like bugged me was if if it's like that could we please like can we at least have like color schemes we recognize because like you could get tiger track and deep cover out of that side swipe all those side swipes lying around and have mm-hmm. like oh well that's that and then it doesn't just become space filler it becomes like this easter egg of who you find like there's our model yeah. wheeljack you know things like that, <laughs> but the, the number of them who are also dismembered, like yeah. it would be really like a bummer. Like I spotted my favorite; he's limbless and possibly well, see, dead. Well, see, that's what you do. It's, it's what you do. It's like 
Yeah, hey, we, I mean, wait, we had the '86 movie. Okay, we've been there. No one else gets to come. True, like the '86 movie Tiger Track on me. Oh no! <laughs> like, maybe you could do things like that. Like, yeah. okay, so especially sure. especially for the third tier characters. You know, you yeah. don't need. Holy moly! We're saying that about Tiger Track. He's, I don't. I don't actually like Tiger <laughs> yeah. Track all that much. I'm just doing a bit. I mean, but <laughs> like, okay, let's take the Impactor. We'll color him red and gray, and we'll say it's Warpath. Oh well, but his head got blown off, so he's just a corpse on the ground. So then we don't have to make the head. <laughs> this is where people just like who are working on the thing go like, you know, who what character I'm sick and tired of hearing about. <laughs> oh, and actually, I must digress. We did not see Cog transform two times. We saw him transform one time, and a red cog transform one time. I mean, well, the cog squad, yeah. the cog squad, they, they they count, they matter. But then you like uh, you have two other repaints for cog. Yeah, it's the cog squad. Right. Well, no, but I'm saying from like toys. Yeah, actual oh, actual toy, toy oh, source. Yeah. yeah. Oh right, they make those. Yeah, like that's yeah, from like the OG G one that could be done up. <laughs> yeah. And and there were a ton of cogs that weren't dead cogs. There were some cogs that were dead cogs as well. But yeah, we had yellow cogs, blue cogs, red cogs. Yeah, and uh, don't don't forget communication officer the brown cog. Yeah, who confused me in his scene because I couldn't tell in the lighting that he was brown immediately, and he was like reporting on on a fact that had come in over the radio, and then cog was reacting to that fact in the next scene. And for half a second, I was like, cog, you're the one who told them. Wait, you sound a little different. <laughs> oh, and I like oh, no, rewound. It's like. Oh, <laughs> you want confusion? Uh, Moonracer dying before anyone said that was Moonracer, not Chromia. Yeah. Oh yeah, and yeah, Moonracer in a very teal, uh, which under the lighting, you know. <laughs> well, they they mentioned they 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 called her out by name before the mission, which I think was to try to clear that up. But it also immediately made me go like, oh no, are they about to kill off Moonracer? Because she hasn't been in this the whole time. I, I guess if she if she looks like Chromia, she's dying, and if she looks like Moonracer, which is a slightly different toy, then she's fine. And then she looked like Chromia, and I was like, uh oh. Okay, epi- episode two, <laughs> Pan found another couple. We have Spinister, and we also have um, Skytread. Uh, Skytread. Yeah, also, I forgot about those. I forgot about that. Those we don't too. see transform. And uh, Astro Train and as Astro, well. Yeah, uh, yeah. Astro yeah. Train was in there <clears throat> big time. Well, literally, <laughs> he was physically yeah. big. Yeah, he did nothing. Yeah, I he, actually, he loomed. Uh, I was he loomed quite well. Well, I, I was I was gonna make a point once upon a time that like because I didn't even remember him moving that that like he was probably thrown in at the last minute, but that's why we never see him in motion. We just see a foot come down. But uh, I was on a moon base too about this two days ago, and Jeremy from Transmissions confirmed to me that Astro Train does a walk cycle as well, and I was like, oh, he had a skeleton. Uh, but yeah, I, I keep forgetting about Astro Train because it's easy. He doesn't say anything, mm-hmm. yeah. nor does he do anything. He just kind of shows up. He just kind of shows up to imply Astro Train's just going to be huge from now on. Yeah, which I'm, I'm yeah. fine with. We we also didn't. We forgot about Omega Supreme existing. Yeah. Oh that. <laughs> oh yeah, and all the all the tight all the the Sentinels. Yeah. Well, the the other ones were a matte painting, and that's easy to forget. But uh, yeah, that was another model that I actually for a split second I was like, I wonder if he's rigged to transform, and then I caught on that he didn't even have legs, and I was like, oh no, wait, he's a boss fight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good one. He's a good boss fight. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the the Omega, the Omega Sentinels or whatever. Uh, that's another another bullet point. Uh, how did you guys feel about having them all there and having one go rogue? Uh, 
with, without very much explanation as to what was going on. I felt. Did did you all did you all actually spot Omega Supreme when Optimus was leaving that that area? No, I did not. You okay? I barely caught him. So when Optimus is driving away, the camera pans up and lingers. If you look really closely, Omega is in the fog watching Optimus leave, and that's supposed to imply that he's listening. The problem is, there's too much fog on him, and he ends up looking like a building as part of the cityscape. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's actually really easy to not notice he's there, and usually I'd be okay with that, but the camera pans up to stare at him for a while, and... I think it just ends up being like, maybe you should have just silhouetted yeah. him, because yeah. I think it would have been pretty Donna, obvious I, I, who he I've was. I've jumped Wait. right to that spot in episode four here. And Prime is a little bit Yo. upset about the world and life, and he, he doesn't that's even get that. faceplate flap. That's what uh, that's the, back, the back money. of his that head looks more me. like a face than the front of his head does. If he didn't have animate eyes, I would have been pretty aggro about the faceplate flap, well, but they, they gave his eyes motion. Yeah, things, so okay, like, yeah, that's a bit much fog. Yeah, yeah, we've kind of, like, there's a lot of those G1 elements that we kind of scrapped as far as, like, how to animate them talking when they have a mouth plate, but they remembered Wheeljack's light-up ears for the first time in, you know, 30-odd years. Mm-hmm. So Also, his his ears lit up without him talking at one point in episode one I in remember the faraway that. shot. I remember that. Yeah, okay. I, I tried not to bring it up too much because I'm like, that's kind of petty. But also, I was like, if you're going to go that far, like, was he supposed to say something? I feel, like a, line, I feel like, like a line was cut short. That or he was just having yeah. internal monologue he was thinking to himself. But, but, <laughs> that I, would but suck. I know that <laughs> if your ears light up when you think to yourself. But, but I have, have known a few people that when they're thinking to themselves, they're just really kind of. And then that's actually I mean, what was going on. I mean, he could be mumbling under his breath, but his like sensors just go off at full brightness, no matter <laughs> yeah. what volume. That's why I want Bumblebee just whip around and go like, "Wait, what? Wait, I saw I saw a reflection in the in the window. What were you saying? What did you just like, say about me? <laughs> nothing. I didn't say anything. You pain in the ass. Oh you my god, bastard! I didn't yeah. say a single. <laughs> okay, I, I, I wanted to. Yeah, I love this idea of like internal monologuing Wheeljack who can't turn off his blinkers. Yeah. Yeah, I love this. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just I, I turning wanna, left. You, you, you jerk. I really want to get. I wanted to try to get. If if the show had not been as watched as heavily as it was, I really wanted to get a hoax going over the weekend because <laughs> some people had heard wheeljacks as a cuss word. He, he says ass like yeah. once, and I wanted to get this thing going where you just start. I start quoting him, and it's just he. I want to imply that he is swearing constantly, like deep blue eighteen plus language <laughs> swearing constantly. <laughs> uh, but it was too late. Everyone watched the show, and then I was like, well. It's not as funny now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, the the blinky the blinky ears was uh it was a nice thing to see. Like there's an energy in the show. I was going to say bullet points, but we really are kind of naturally just bouncing mm-hmm. from thing to thing here. Uh there's I, I think that one thing that explains the show for better and for worse is to me this is the th- this trilogy, I guess, is the last hurrah for the generation of people working in animation positions who can spearhead shows who grew up on being like 10 years old in 1984 to 85 or whatever and and got out of Transformers when they were in high school because that's when G1 ended and then they kind of came back they they looked at it in the in the aughts missed the 2010s and then came back for this like this show to me has no awareness that the 2010s ever took place uh 
like this feels like if this came out in 2010 when the high moon video games were out that th- we would all be heralding this as the second coming of transformers media uh in one way or another mm-hmm. um, yeah well but you you still get little nods to the original here and there in the show yeah. which i like i love that the first scene is wheeljack and bumblebee like evading seekers while they scavenge energon yeah a hundred percent and and i think that the mission statement of the series which i think was the same for machinima just this one actually did it well was that this was supposed to it's supposed to softly be a prequel to g1 it's supposed to be when someone watches it they're like i remember this from that old cartoon uh it is for better and for worse. It makes for great nostalgia moments. There's clear love in the show. Uh, and then at times it's also like clearly ignorant love in the show. Like, like that there are times where characters almost like Alita one's arc kind of get, gets piffled out at the end because it feels less like she's making a decision that she should be making and more like they need to make sure she stays in Cybertron. Cause that's where she was in the cartoon, for instance. Uh, hey, no, we're not sticking too close to the cartoon because, you know, jet, uh, uh Skywarp's kind of dead already. Sky Skywarp's like, dead. Jetfire's there mm-hmm. too. Uh, it's like little bits and pieces that, and, and you know, bits that to me feel like that's what Hasbro may have offered to them as more ideas. If they were saying we need, we want some, you know, some more Transformers words, we want some more story Bible stuff to play with. But in a lot of ways, Siege is like this is for people who are currently, you know, in their forties. <laughs> Uh, it's it's definitely not only for them, but it feels like that's the energy of the show. This is a Gen X led Transformers cartoon, um, and uh, and and you know for better and for worse. That's why also when 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 folks are really worried about it, like I truly feel like this is one of the last times that we're gonna get something like this because the pe- people who grew up on post G one Transformers are nearing 40 now as well so at least at least nearing 30 if not in their 30s so it's it's like there's going to be a change of energy no matter what hasbro wants to happen it's going to be i think harder to get a bunch of g1 maniacs together to make animation stuff like this and i mean I, i'm actually more looking forward to that era if i'm being honest but I think that to me that is that explains to me like a lot of the pros and cons of this show. I mean, you um, talk you talk about that, but we've also mentioned where there's things borrowed from like IDW in this series. You know, our plot is throw the all spark off the planet, which is done by the movies and Prime and well, that, Animate and a lot of series from that, the mid two thousands. That's where I feel like that there is some Hasbro content that is handed to them as well. Uh, and honestly, it's less IDW. It is really like a lot of just cyberverse in this. It's like the cyberverse versions of a lot of those homages are, it's, it's weird. It's like they're being re homaged, but out of cyberverse in this, uh, homage is not even the right word. It's just like, it's, it's, it's plot points that are in the story Bible. Um, the main reason I feel like there's IDW2 content is that Megatron almost has a character arc that resembles the current IDW Megatron's character arc. Uh, sadly, I feel that that kind of just gets dropped. But um, I, I just think that like the folks who are passionately working on this are the most passionate about getting that G1 stuff in. And then a whole lot of other plot points are the kinds of things that I just feel like the Hasbro Story Bible always has in bold font. Like, put the AllSpark in this and have them remove it from the planet, which, like, boy, was I tired of seeing that dumb thing. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I was not I was kind of not looking forward to that being such a big element of this. Like, of course it will be. But, like, there, even the opening episode created a setting where, like, the ex- and characters talking about it 
established the uh, I feel meta unimportance of the Allspark when it comes to telling this story. Yeah. Uh, well, and and then like, like for quasi MacGuffin things, the the whatever the oh the, the Alpha Trion protocols. That sorry, it's such a mouthful that it what. What happened with that storyline? I don't know. It seemed like it was something really important because it's the cumulative knowledge of all Autobots across space and time. And but control, no, no, alt, my, delete, task manager, in my box, and it's gone. I got a shoebox and I got this virus that honestly I gave up on. But like now that I know this one little middling thing that like is also technology we're using. I mean, I guess. Yeah. It just. I mean, it's a nice of you to have that virus, but like, what happened to the other virus that was going to turn all the Autobots into Decepticons? What? What? When did they talk? No, no, we're we're deleting the Alpha Trion protocols. That's what. That's our big plan. Reformatting what? The whole reason Ultra Magnus like basically sacrificed his yeah. life? Wait, the whole no, reason what? Jetfire started a face turn? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? What reformatting? I guess the whole reason they're taking the Allspark too. Like what? Uh, the- like that had like as soon as they mentioned that, I got to thinking like, don't we have rumors of a Nemesis Prime in that spoiler box coming out? And like, Bo- okay, you were you must have been. Tell me if this sounds familiar to you. Uh-huh. The whole time you're... Okay, first half of the show, I wonder what the spoiler box is about, as far as this is concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ultra Magnus is, like, kidnapped, and is, oh, I wonder if Rung's in there. I wonder yeah. if Rung's gonna save him. Ultra yeah. Magnus gets killed, and you're like, okay. Then Ultra Magnus's eyes open and light up, like, ooh, is Rung gonna come out? But no. That's- then this energy goes somewhere. Oh, is it going to turn into wrong? No, it goes into Bumblebee. You're like, okay, but... And then Optimus like, you should speak to my mentor. And I'm like, they're in a room I haven't seen before. Is he going to open a door and Rung is there? And it's like, no, we're going to go into know, no, you know what? You know, you know that, that all that Rung is are the pink electric effects that he's being shocked with. <laughs> That's it. That's what the spoiler was, not the, the toy that was what with it. The- yeah. What the hell was the spoiler box? I don't, I don't, I don't know. And the biggest thing, so... Like, Ultra Magnus's death. Like, i still shaky on what all of his, like, drive was to, to go try and he, talk it out with Megatron, try to go beef it out of, like, I well, surrendered they, they, to they you, like, but I can't, but I'm here to surrender myself, but I can't, so the, but I'm not going to tell you any, piece anything, of... but you're going to torture the crap out of me. And so it was the moment when he was hanging up and energy field was breaking him or whatever, I was thinking we were going to see a white prime or like minimus yeah. ambus type of situation yeah. Yeah, me too. where it was going to be me like, like ah, you were going to see that break happen and then you know either minimus like, falls out as the white prime or rung since he's in that box falls out and then something happens and then you have something happen to that but it can be like here's this toyetic thing that lines up with this that's the thing that we can do and whatever I don't know. And, yeah, like and when his yeah. armor. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the second that armor started getting crushed, I'm like, oh, well, like I, I almost got like, like I got Dreamwave flashbacks of like just armor falling off, and there's the white Optimus Prime. And, yeah, because it was also only on the armor pieces. Yeah, yeah. But then, but then when they hang his corpse up, and they're like, we're gonna use this to 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 bring the virus to life, because of that second spoiler box. I was then going like, oh, is that going to turn him into Nemesis Galaxy Prime? Is that how they're going to deliver the virus? And I was like in almost disbelief that the virus was like, no, we're just shooting it through his body because... Yeah. But then it just goes into the planet and turns everything off. And I was like, what the hell is the second spoiler box? (laughs) 
Who's Scrap Face? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Of all the recolors. Of all yeah. the recolors in the whole series. The one refractor. How is Scrap Face not in this, but there's 500 refractors? Like, what's going on? Uh, it's not... I don't think this is an actual valid, like, criticism on the show to say it doesn't match the toy line. Because we've... Yeah. How many times, right? It's just funny that, like, they had a box called the Spoiler Box that had no spoilers in it! <laughs> Spoiler, Ultra Magnus is in a Transformer show. It's like, even the Ultra Magnus toy in there, I took a look again at what it's supposed to look like. I was like, well, I remember it was kind of dark. Is it supposed to be his corpse? And I looked at the wiki page, and they're like, well, they cast him in dark plastic, but then they spray-opt his colors on top. Mm -hmm. So it just looks more like he's battle-damaged, honestly. (laughs) Or that he's, like, partly dying. Uh... That was, yeah, that that whole thing, I, I have nothing really to defend that that series of plot points with. Because the, Alpha, the Alphatron Protocols, to me, were, th- if there was one show quality that was kind of ruinous, I felt they kind of janked up Bumblebee's whole character. Uh, I felt that they overshadowed the plot so much, along with the Allspark. They, they were the reason why they could actually find an Allspark, which then led to the pointless Moonracer death. Yeah. I, I, and then... <clears throat> Well, and then the Allspark became such a big thing that, like, to me, the, the the plot of this show, that the show itself was telling, for the most part, was that the war is jointly and equally the fault of Megatron and Optimus for both being so tunnel-visioned on each other that they have they no longer can see the, the field for the trees. They are causing so much death and destruction, and in two different ways, they don't understand that or they don't accept it or they they find reasons why there's a greater cause for all of this because so many characters comment on how lost the two of them are uh that to me that was supposed to be and should have been the climax of the show is the 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 way that some autobots will and decepticons both will just abandon these two fools Mm -hmm. and you had that happen even uh impactor jetfire and alita do the action, but not f- in, in, in one case, Alita doesn't even do the action for the right reason. Like when she has that final scene with Optimus, every single thing about that character was leading to a scene where she says, I can't go with you because you are too far gone. You're lost. Like you're not, you're not the Optimus I knew. You, you cannot see the consequences of your own actions. You can't see how much you have com- like completely blinded yourself to, to what you are causing to happen. Uh, and I'm not going with you on this foolhardy trip into space through a space, through a space bridge. That is later implied, you know, like she, the part where she's like, I can't believe that they didn't survive. I was like, no one said that that looked dangerous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Her, her uh, last, her last little sense of prime is miss, like, you know, somebody has to stay dot, dot, dot to clean up your mess. Yeah. yeah. Someone has to stay on this planet that you're abandoning and possibly d- dooming because you, I know, like, we all know, you don't have every Autobot on this ship. Yeah. There's people left behind. Yeah, yeah especially since the virus or whatever, they were losing connections to, all, to, to <laughs> all of their, like, yeah. other locations. You can, ha- again, you can have the same thing. Like, no, there are hundreds of other Autobots that are in hiding in our different reserve locations you're leaving without them somebody has to stay 
and you can and yeah, you can have it feel right because she's the the military commander of the Autobots or whatever. I'm I'm still not sure what the Autobot command structure she, was of Optimus she, Prime she, yeah, in charge, but the other one's also more in charger, but well, not she, well, over Optimus, like, but also well, over he's Optimus. Like, he's like commander in chief, she's general. Yeah, she the idea was he would have the matrix, which they never talked yeah. about. No, they <laughs> and barely the they mentioned would, it once. They well, want, that's what I mean. But they cut half they never, of what the Matrix could do into the whole Alpha Trion thing just to force Bumblebee to be important. Yeah, that's the thing is they said like one person has the protocols, the other one has the Matrix. It's too dangerous for someone to have both, but they never really said what the Matrix does. Yeah. It's just like it's too dangerous. That's all. But no, like 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 yeah, all these points are just really adding that like Elita One was almost a very good delivery in this, who at the very last minute, it's like, well, she stays behind because she didn't G one. Is it's it's not like stated outright. Mm-hmm. But everything about that final scene was like, well, that's why she's staying behind, because G1. And I'm like, this actual show created an Alita 1 who cannot stay with Optimus, even though they they both want to stay together. She is the one who who still has enough clarity of mind to identify how dangerous Optimus has become. And it, it was so disappointing that at the very last minute, to, like my wording for it is they chickened out basically of that and of like they, they tried to, what I was going to say is they were trying to imply visually a whole lot of times that Megatron was going through turmoil as well. It was always in how he would turn away from the torture mm-hmm. or his scene with shockwave when he points his fusion cannon at shockwave and then later like points it and shoots it at ultra Magnus. I feel the intent, I very much feel the intent was supposed to be Ultra Magnus is the first person Megatron has personally killed without cause. That he shot, he, that is the first victim directly with blood on Megatron's hands directly that was not out of political gain, out of, you know, being a gladiator, out of self-defense. It wasn't Megatron sending someone else to kill someone. This is like the, to me it was, it was, presented as the first time that fusion cannon was turned on another Cybertronian that, that was because like, Megatron was That was mad. like a, the tipping point. Yeah, that was him becoming... like That was him leaving all possibility of redemption. Yeah. Was, was, was committing that action. The show, I think, also failed to communicate that very clearly. But, like... The, the idea is that, like, Megatron originally, he's like, he, he wants it, he wants a, a treaty. He has a truce that they never talk about after him mentioning yeah, it once. Yeah, and, and that's another uh, thing, you know, to, to, like, talk about the truce. It's, it's a thing that, like, I think, again, a place that, that some of it could have been touched up some was to say, like, why the truce? Not just like, oh, yeah. we can stop fighting. Because... Like, that should sound fine, but have it be like, no, we cannot accept a truce where all of the, anybody that's an Autobot gets the, whatever it is that Jetfire, you know, submits to, you know. The, yeah. No, we're, was, not, we're was, not going to truce... have that, those command callers done, or no, we're not going to or, have or, or, whatever done, or no, we're like, not like going to bring. They even say surrender booths, yeah. right? And yeah. like, is, yeah. like if, even if they just said, well, the truce is you all go to the surrender booths. And it's like, okay, like we can piece together those surrender booths or suicide booths. So yeah, yeah then the truce doesn't make any sense. Right. But, but you they never say even something say to that effect, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, turns out the whole war on Cybertron is, you know, is it a a shall or a may in the prim- in the covenant of primus on like you know transformation cogs it's it's some minor minor secondary point yeah. and that's what's caused this whole 
well, thing. You, no, I we, think I think you're you're assumed right, like that. Okay, well, I mean, everyone knows Optimus and Megatron are the good guys and bad guys. Like, you can fill in the blanks, mm-hmm. and like to a point, I would accept that. But this specific show calls Optimus into question and calls Megatron into question so many times. I'm like, I can't accept the idea that that like. This show will say, well, you know who these characters are, while simultaneously offering, I would call, 70% of a story that calls into question both of mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Uh, only to to chicken out at the very last minute. And uh, it gives me some hope that, be, you know, maybe Earthrise will pick up on some of these threads. It was pointed out to me that the first half of Siege was written by Rooster Teeth writers. The second half was written by uh, Brandon Easton, George Kirstick and company. Um, like directly, if you look at the credits. So I was like, well, I mean, maybe that explains some stuff, but like, even if they weren't directly writing episodes, as far as I know, those names were on staff day one. It's not like they were called in at the last minute, right? Like, it's, it's just so weird. It's, it's still, there's still little gaps in my knowledge that I wish I knew that I don't think we'll ever find out about like who precisely was where and did what. <laughs> as far as the the production of the show because it's just the mixed message by the end of episode six i was just like man like the when it was good it was my stuff and then when it wasn't it was dropping my stuff uh it's weird it's weird to think about it's weird to think about like constantly bringing up this treaty and this like which comes across like just just surrender it's just surrender and give you know just submit to decepticon control I get the feeling, yeah. but it's so there's not brought up why that's a bad thing. Like, mm-hmm. I feel, I get the feeling like, like, like the whole moral question of like, there's this many deaths because Optimus just being too stubborn to actually admit surrender to Megatron. It's weird to me. It's so, it's so touch. It's touched on so little that it, I'm thinking back to like cyberverse where there's like literally yeah. scenes where Optimus and Megatron are just sitting at McAdams trying to hash it out. <laughs> Again, slightly more mature cartoon cyberverse having more nuance on this topic. <laughs> like I, I only say that because so many people to this day dog on cyberverse is the, like when the levity thing comes up, like, well, it's not like cyberverse so silly. And it's like, unfortunately cyberverse touched on a lot of these topics with more nuance and maturity. Mm-hmm. Like, unfortunately, that's not the case. Like, and it's not even not like I don't want Cyberverse to be the peak of maturity. I, I think it's a credit to Cyberverse what it was accomplishing, which to me just makes me want to hold this even more to account. Like this show that like is so dour in tone and stuff, but like as I put it at the top of the recording, like it's just so adolescent in how it was trying to deliver that topic. It's bizarre because Cyberverse had eleven minutes to convey that the Autobots and Decepticons try to have treaties and you get an idea of why it just doesn't work out between them. This show made that a plot point, and I have no idea why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was one line that I just remembered. This doesn't explain it, but I think this was the show trying to explain it. There's like one line. I forgot. It might have been Alita. Someone's like, why don't you just accept the treaty? And Optimus is like, because for Megatron, that will never be enough. And then he like walks off. And it's like, so you're crazy. Okay. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or you know, even, even within that, it could be like, yeah, we accepted a treaty a thousand years ago. And then... 
you know, he didn't hold up to his side of the bargain, so why should we do it again? Or, you know, there's, again, there's plenty of ways to say why treaty bad and not just gruff off. He's got to say one yeah. of them. Yeah, He's got to say yeah, one you're of drafted them. In, yeah. You're dra- <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're drafted into the Decepticons and we're going to go take over other planets. Okay, no, no treaty. Yeah. Yeah, you got. he's got to say one, you know? Like... <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, that's, that's why when I came out of the show, I was like, I generally enjoyed myself and I'd like to see more. It's because, because there's more than 50% of a show I kind of dug is, so I'd like to see them try it like a little bit more eerily. I think that's what I said about Combiner Wars when it ended, <laughs> but in this case, I think it's with a little bit more faith in, in, in the final product, but yeah, it, it's a shame because, you know. I want to. I want to do this. I want to go into one of my big positives. Let's talk. Like Sound Blaster was such a great, like, not the right phrase, but like it's a great breath of fresh air. I guess. Mm-hmm. We're like amidst all this all spark hoo ha that we've all seen fifty times. There's a caper going on during which RC shows up and is cool, and it's like, hey RC, oh you you seem actually cool, <laughs> and and Cog is there, and I already like Cog, so I'm like, this is fun, and they're like, yeah, we're gonna go talk an arms dealer, I know, and I'm like, hey arms dealer, I wonder, and then I could not have predicted that it was a sound blaster, b they straight up say they pull the old Dreamwave flop point, like yeah, he's a shockwave experiment failed clone, he doesn't like, it. he's kind of. He's kind of mad about it. If one were to say he's a little off kilter, one could say that's maybe part of the reason why. And then see, he's got he's got a Merc symbol on his chest. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm suddenly really interested because like, okay, the Mercs exist. Sound Blaster is one. And then Sound Blaster's uh, character delivery is like what I wish Shockwave was. You know what's, you know what an actual scary person sounds like? Very calm. Yeah. And so for Sound Blaster, Sound Blaster is just so, he's like, he's, he's so calm. It's like, hey, what's, oh, Bumblebee, nice to see you again. Hang on a second. Just shoots a reflector in the face who's trying to break into the room. And he goes like, anyway, what do y'all want? Mm-hmm. And, and then even yeah. when he catches them stealing from him, he's just like, you, you didn't think I don't hear things too. Yeah. Dude, I'm so disappointed. Like he was so threatening yeah. in such a fun way. Oh, there's <laughs> just something great about someone who is so confident in his control over the situation at all times. Yeah. Yeah, and then like and then to give him the the basic but awesome hubris and 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 character uh, not even flaw, but just like like the the thing that that keeps him from being perfect, right? And and keep, keeps him from being like co- like in control of the whole situation. At the end of the day, he is he is a clearly insecure science experiment who is vastly overcompensating and and becoming his own person and doing good. But like at the very core, you're like, don't ever bring up that he looks like Soundwave because he'll probably just kill you, right? And forget you were there. Yeah. Although one uh, thing that I did notice. His and Soundwave's screen cracks are exactly the same. I want to imagine Sound Blaster actually did his own. Like, that, you know, secretly, he's like, I'm not Soundwave, but then he sees Soundwave got those screen cracks, and he's like, I can do that. You think Soundwave can get his screen cracked? I can get my screen cracked. Just starts, like, jabbing a knife into his chest. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. He's got a pet, to me- he's got a pet Cyberbird. I'll get a pet Cyberbird. Yeah. Exactly. He gets, he, he has Buzzsaw, and he's like, I got... I got like, I, oh, man, right there again. Don't ever bring up he's a clone of Soundwave. But then 
habitually, he actively makes sure he's exactly like Soundwave, but then also better in his own mind. Mm-hmm. Like, such a fascinating character idea. Uh, and and I, I was so happy with that. Like, like you know, Shockwave's voice actor, Todd Habercorn, did not do a bad job. But he was just a, a slow-speaking, vaguely British, throaty scientist. And, like, I, I went over some of his lines in my head. Like, when he's talking about the virus, I was like... That would have been such a more of a gasp-causing moment if he had been, you know, just calm, perhaps vaguely emotionally detached from what he was talking about. Like, you know, just offhandedly, oh, I happen to have this planetary virus that I made for fun. Yeah. Uh, and I just and didn't again, really that's know one, what of the, on. one of the places where you really could have had like a, a little bit more play on, like, this is where Megatron tips over from like leader of the other guys to the bad guy of yeah. you know shockwave saying like oh well you never let me do these experiments before and then have more of appeal of like i i mean i i think that's a place where they did show a little bit of it but it definitely could have been maybe clarified more you know between the the, yeah. the torture and then the other stuff of like oh no but you know, don't do X. Or, or, like, when he brings up the reformatting idea, like, he's still doing that supervillain scientist delivery. Mm-hmm. He's like, we could use the AllSpark to reformat. And I'm like, what if he was just like, you know, we could use the AllSpark to just rewrite their brains? Yeah. We could just reformat them. And the people like, Ref- no one says reformat. He just sort of says it. He's like, no, we can reformat them. Just, just make them Decepticons. Mm-hmm. It's easy. I got an equation straightforward like to me that just would have also he would be talking faster but like it would it would just i think it would help make him more threatening like it's just again when i talk about adolescent uh direction it's very adolescent to think a scary scientist is british and sounds like this like i'm really guilty of doing that when i make dumb little things myself Mm -hmm. but an actual scary character is often not like screaming or snarling or throaty or speaking like they really enjoy this like it's you know uh also when talking about sound blaster i should say i actually really like the vocoder effect on him i didn't mind it on Soundwave because it sounded like i've seen people say they didn't do a vocoder it's like no that's a vocoder they just didn't pull off Soundwave. a lot of people in the 2000s who had early audacity and other editing programs we all tried it and we all ended up with something that sounded like that mm-hmm. like that's that's just Soundwave when you don't know how to get the thing fully put together the only bummer is the the voice effect they did have on everyone which i thought was really cool like to have kind of a species-wide sort of throat flange uh it also gave everyone a very heavy bass and low mid and those are the frequencies i felt were specifically missing from soundwave uh which which was kind of a shame because that's my favorite part of soundwave's specific vocoder voice is how thrumming it is uh but then Sound Blaster had a deeper voice, and so he kind of had it. Hey, to Sound Blaster's credit, he did Soundwave's voice, but better. <laughs> so he's he's pulling it off. He's got his own like Soundwave is like kind of kowtowing to a couple a uh, couple lunatics and Megatron and Shockwave. Sound Blaster's running a business. He's got an army of impactors. You know, he's <laughs> doesn't really care about the war. He's just kind of chilling and doing his own thing. Even yeah, and even when people commit grand larceny on him, they took like 
two rocks out of a room of like 300. Yeah. It's like, it's like you can't even steal from Sound Blaster because he has so much. He's just like, okay, you know, fine. Oh no, they stole 1% but, but of then my stock. Their getaway car that they had to use because they don't know how to transform, they couldn't have. Like snuck yeah. that over and tried oh, well. to get the stock of stuff. Well, let's let's hey be realistic here. I mean, Cog doesn't have a vehicle mode, and Bumblebee was unconscious. RC like he's expecting her to have two dudes like sitting on top they of her. They jumped driving into along. that before he before Bumblebee was unconscious. Okay, uh, maybe, maybe you know in the last throws of Alpha Trion, who we never heard from again. Maybe he was like Bumblebee. I'm about to be <laughs> be deleted, and you're going to fall asleep. So get in that car and convince him to go with you. Uh, maybe they were just both really thinking about poor Cog. Like, you know, you're gonna have him run alongside us. For <laughs> I, I like making up excuses. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I really liked I really like Sound Blaster, and I like the Cog Squad a lot. Like Cog, it's funny because also Sound Blaster and Cog have literally never had this much characterization ever as characters. Cog spoke once in the '80s comic book. Uh, Sound Blaster, I don't think, has ever had an individual character outside of the trading card game. He's always just been Soundwave, again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, in, in the TCG, RIP. Uh, sorry, Aaron. Um, he was, he was, uh, you know, he was a separate character card that you could run alongside Soundwave, and you can run, like, a Bumblebee team in the game, but he was literally called Sound Blaster, and it was, like, Arms Dealer or something, and it's like, wait a second... Like Soundwave wouldn't moonlight as an arms dealer, so what the, this is this is actually a different guy. That's kind of cool. And man, they actually went through with it on this show. I was so happy. Uh, and then Cog, like he is an he is a, a a you know a strong stalwart friend. He'll he'll stick by your side. He'll he literally turns into support on your shoulders. Uh, and then he also will. He's one of the first ones to question when like Alita, but but louder. He he is one of the first ones to question Optimus when Optimus starts you know, saying less and less uh, easy things to follow. Um, so I, I really dug Cog and the Cog Squad, even though they you know they were jobbing out pretty hard. Also, this is the important thing about Cog. Cog is the hardest MF'er on Cybertron. He had more than half of his spark literally disintegrated in an explosion. Yeah. The, the hole in his in his torso, you could fit a person into. And Cog... It wasn't even a he, hole, because a hole has to have... An entire round surface to it. This was just half of his torso yeah. was gone mm-hmm. in a he, round he, he shape. Was, he was six inches away from being bisected by that explosion. And he he's squinting a bit, but then it's like he gets back to the base and it's just like nope, he's fine, he's cogged, just give him some pain pills, put him in the put him in the thing, it'll grow back. And it grows back. And then the only reason I'm so up on this is because Ultra Magnus gets a much smaller hole shot through the exact same place on his body, dies on the spot. Moonracer gets her arms pulled off, dies on the spot. Skywarp Sky gets di- shot. <laughs> I was about to say the same thing. One shot to the back. Yeah, he survives long enough to go, it was jet fire, and then die. Cog could nearly get blown in half, and he's like, I'm fine. Just get me some pills. Give me a, I, give me an acetaminophen. I mean, do you see how, how many? How about like, when the arc just like anime bisects all of the reflectors, but then there's more reflectors, and then it does it again, and then there's even more reflectors, and 
That's just because there's a lot of yeah. there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of soft bisectable reflectors. A cog that would have bounced off of any one of the cog squad. They would they they got abs of steel of not steel. That's steel's too soft. They got abs of something. I don't know what. <laughs> I mean, I was gonna say like you see all how many dead cogs were lying around. How hard is it gonna be to find the parts to like patch that hole? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he is Cog Prime. The Cogs, uh, in my mind, the Cog Squad are just groupies of Cog Prime. Uh, like, communications officer moved up the chain, but he's like, no, I'm not changing my chassis. I'm, I'm a proud Cogster. I'm, I'm keeping, I'm in the Cog Union. I'm keeping this on. Uh, look, I've paid Cogs in for the last 8,000 years. <laughs> Cog is also the hardest, the hardest bot on Cybertron. He walks into Sandblaster's, uh, you know, emporium, and he is the guy who will just walk up. He'll like, no, go ahead, weapon scan me. I know you're too <laughs> dumb to scan if I'm a weapon. Yeah, you're just scanning to see if I have weapons. Do you have weapons? No. What's your alt mode? Sack of guns. Okay, cool. You're good. <laughs> I love that because I've seen that called out as an inconsistency. I'm like, no, no, that's just because Cog is the most confident thing on Cybertron. He's just like, no, I know that they're not scanning for me. They're scanning for little guns, not a person made of guns. We'll, we'll remind everyone that transformation in G1 continuity was originally a method of stealth. Yes. <laughs> Cog turns into a backpack. <laughs> Oh, man, this is also kind of, it is very much implied that it's following that G1 cartoon thing of them being like, I mean, I've seen this actually, this is another uncomfortable thing, them being referred to as two races rather than two factions mm. uh, in the show, mm-hmm. uh, which is very much, you know, the built by Quintesson's origin. Uh, to be honest, that doesn't bug me as much. I think that's just like people using a thesaurus wrong. I mean, uh, also, if this leads to Earthrise, we literally have Quintessons in the fact- in the, in the fiction, so. Uh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, but I, I really think that, I mean, I mean, it certainly is weak. I'm not going to defend it. I think that especially the fact that people leave factions and change factions in this show makes, makes the factions being species or races like even harder to digest. It makes the reformatting thing like incomprehensible to me because it's like, but Jetfire like just had a moral quandary and left. Yeah. Impactor, Impactor learned morals he had forgotten and abandoned both causes. What is Sound Blaster? What does the Merc symbol even mean then? Like, like, I think we just gotta let that one go as like a weak piece of writing, honestly. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, oh, there's, there's, there was something else I wanted to talk about character wise. Aaron, have you got any other bullet points or anything in your in your head that you haven't gotten out yet about Siege? I'm trying to think. We or, hit. We hit, did we pull? Did we pull the faucet? We hit. We, we hit a, hot, a lot of the high point. Don't talk about faucets, man. My my week <laughs> off of trying to fix stuff around the houses. Right, right. That got, was on, that's like when I say jazz. Uh, it's unintentional. Yeah, it's unintentional. Uh, um, but uh, mm, no, the water does. The water valve doesn't shut off the water at the sink. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> it'll be what we got this week on our next real recording. Um, <laughs> turn. I had to turn every valve in the damn house. Uh, um, no, I, 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 again, it's, there are so many places where it, it seemed like the highs were very rapidly countered by the lows across, across all of, all of the show. Just when characters would have a breakout moment and feel like, okay, this is going to do something to then, to me, it, it felt very frequently like, your transformers you have you know an alt mode 
there's a reason for that, you know. I and some of them are like, okay, well, you know, Wheeljack doesn't have a Cybertronian alt mode, you know, much to our lament oh, from everything. I, I Bumblebee forgot. doesn't I have a Cybertronian alt mode. He's, that's probably why Bumblebee never got, transformed. Right, he's got <laughs> he's got an Earth alt mode, so we can see it in the next series when when Earthrise happens. Things like that that man, I get it. I do. But at the same time, you know, especially when they set up a situation that's, we've got to get out of here, okay? Versus... Run. Yeah, I, don't, I, I wasn't quite sure. I was uh, seeing spikes and audacity, I don't know how. But it's like, okay, well, we're going to beat feet. It's like, no, you have wheels. You have, I can see wheels on your, on your think, body. I, I can see that... wheels. Just fall on your back. Use those wheels. You don't even have to transform. I got, Just I got... like... I got the implication. Go. I I don't. I think they could have said it. I think they could have said it because I got the implication many times in the first two episodes that like part of the reason they're walking everywhere is for purposes of stealth and avoiding the seeker scans. And I was like, I really wish you could like maybe just said that louder. Because again, again, (laughs) the the places where where like okay, maybe just the like mechanics of what they were given bumps up against story it seems like you know right there because it was such a thing in that in the very beginning of that first one you say hey we can't drive around because that'll bring too much attention to us we've got to sneak around we've got to go through these you know back back alleys where all this building rubble is and we can't drive over it yeah it's it's really yeah because you can drop a line like that and now everything like makes sense and it makes yeah. the character it, seem smart it, it or, feels it maybe it doesn't make sense but it at least feels better yeah and, or except even, for like, when you see them run down a wide open highway it's like i mean you could you could also have slippery. like you could also have like well our energon reserves are so low that transforming yeah. and driving expends it too fast yeah and that sets yeah. the world yeah and and you can ha- yeah, and you can even have it. it be in the beginning <laughs> oh man with this much energy i'll finally be able to get to transform freely yeah and yeah. go from there yeah and then that can be I, why I, like I, I okay can... optimus prime he's the leader you know he's got to have I, that I, juice okay you know you can then you can make it a point of like oh, all right well we got to do it for the mission or something i can agree with like saying you know some of this is is supposed to be implied and like absolutely like you don't need to like literally state every single thing out loud mm-hmm. but i i feel like especially given some of our conversation but also some of the some of the the you know louder conversation i have witnessed elsewhere that like some of these things probably could have been done with being said out yeah. loud <laughs> Uh, and, and the thing yeah, is, you know, here just riffing, we came up with a couple of different ways that with one or two lines of dialogue, you can explain the issue. You can explain it away. You can you can say specifically, we're not making up plot points right, either. Right, and, yeah, like, and we're just restating known and, facts entirely like, within it. Yeah, and and I think that's the yeah. biggest place where when I I see things like like that, I feel like just kind of let down about it because it's it's like man you were you were like 80% of the way there and went Meh, they'll figure it out and it's like wh- okay first off transformers as much as we want to say it's for us is still a kids show to a certain extent you're it's it's a it's a toy line and toys are generally for children and this television show is 
and uh, this is hard to say. Uh, I am pretty sure the rating on this, I took note, I'm pretty sure the rating was Y7. Yeah. Or maybe Y12. It was not like, you know, 18 plus. Like, Wheeljack said ass. Uh, Impactor said freaking, yeah. not the other one. Yeah. Right? Like, it, <laughs> one of the things that popped up, I want to say, was like scary situation of like the, yep, that was the warnings to parents in the top corner of it. So, yeah. Like, fear. Like, like fear. It's just, yeah, there's, there's, there's scary stuff, guys. Fear. So, like, this is all stuff that's aimed at, at kids and. While <laughs> we've been with Transformers since 1984, <laughs> we can tell you all Even the that, variations we're still sitting here. And We're still sitting here going, but we think this is why it happened, but we're not actually sure. It, exactly. So it's, it's a thing that, like, you know, I get that there's, like, you know, there's, there, there, what is it, show, don't tell? Is frequently a yeah. thing like when you're when you're doing videos or movies or stuff. Show don't yeah. tell. Like I can get that, but there's there's sometimes where it's okay to say tell. You know, you can have somebody, you know, phone call. Oh, it's mom. Phone to the ear. You don't have to go like long pause at the phone that says mom and maybe a picture of a motherly looking woman on the phone. Wait, yeah, two, that's, three. That's the point. I'm, uh, that's the point I'm making. Like, like, like it doesn't. It doesn't have to be like like stupid. You yeah, know? Like it doesn't have to be like like you know stuff like that. But but at a certain point, eventually, some stuff probably should be said, especially when it is it is fitting in with your world, and and it it doesn't. You know, unless unless you start thinking about how it's like, well, everyone's speaking so slowly already. Uh, how much more time would that add? But like, I feel the slow speaking was in part to create a runtime. Yeah. Like this, this was six episodes that made for a very very action packed ninety minutes. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, probably <laughs> and, sacrificing one of my favorite and parts. Thirty or but forty minutes it, of other. Well, it's just I don't know. I I feel like. This could have easily been more of a movie than a episodic series. I think watching this episodically, like uh, Hoopla, my friend Hoopla put this really well on Twitter. Thank goodness they just launched the whole series. Could you imagine if it was one episode a week? If it was like a Hulu or whatever, where yeah, where they or Machinima or Machinima. Can can you imagine like like going through seventeen minutes at a time of this and then spending a week (sighs) digesting? It'd be it'd be very difficult. We wouldn't be recording six podcasts. I would not even start. I would be saying we wait till it's finished. (laughs) Like, uh, so so I I just feel like I feel like there's there's stuff about this that um it's it's hard to really lay the blame anywhere because it's like you know who wanted it to be six episodes, uh, who wanted this to be G one the prequel for the most part, uh, who feels that the audience is so much people who watch G one that maybe they don't need to explain some things, but then who wanted this to also be TV Y seven or Y twelve? I wish I could remember which. Uh, very very mixed messages to me. Um, TJ, have you got? I got two more bullet points I wrote down on my notepad just now. But have you got any other uh, things you wanted to bring up that are still on your mind? Um, I, I was trying. I was trying to think to myself, like, I'm trying to. I'm trying to put the dots back together of how the ending was a good thing for our Autobots to have done. <laughs> so, yeah, the I, I didn't think of this until I did that recording on Moonbase, where it's like it felt like they were winning, and then when they went through the space bridge, everyone was like, "I guess they died." And I was like, why do you all think they died? And then I was like, again, going to that kind of, I guess, putting a denouement on this point. I guess the implication is, and maybe someone could have just said it. It's like, yes, people have used space bridges 
to travel around. They're opening a giant space bridge, throwing a, a relic through it, and then launching an entire ship yeah. through it. Yeah. And, and and it felt to me like the implication is no one's ever launched a ship yeah. through one of these mm-hmm. before. Uh, so two things. Uh, First off, it is TVY7. Just checked again. Um, okay. And and yeah, you could even have, again, if you want to say like that the people left on Cybertron think they're dead, have like the space bridge get a bunch of like Ditko dots or crazy crackly energy that looks like... Like stuff's really bad, not just like, oh yeah, that's a pretty regular swirl. Yeah, you just have. I feel, I feel like it, you have shrapnel rain down. Yeah, yeah. I, as I feel as like, they go I through mean, the floating ring, it. like implodes at just that moment. Yeah, because I felt like pacing wise, they went through the space bridge, and then the space bridge closed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what did they expect? And so, yeah, I, I wasn't sure how. Yeah, it was really, it was really weird. Especially but, since uh, space bridge technology is the thing that was still in their memory. Like, this isn't some, like, oh, this must be an ancient relic of old Cybertron. A space no, bridge. No, the one remember, used. I remember hearing about this in, in my lore of Primus Mechanicus yeah, was, classes. No, Bumblebee These were how like, we expanded our technology and our reach no, across Bumble- the stars. Bumblebee's like, Bumble- yeah, I remember going using that. It was like a buck fifty, but then they raised it to two bucks <laughs> because some <laughs> new toll fees and they had to collect back taxes and they aren't doing change anymore. So it's two full shannons. You, you can't the get the half casino? anymore. I don't see where my taxes are going. God, no wonder. No, no wonder this Bumblebee's so bitter. Yeah, <laughs> I I thought I was re- I thought I was rejuvenating the stage play area and the casinos. Mercs are running through those places, taking over. The- I don't even know what my taxes are going yeah. to anymore. Yeah, it's it's very odd. Um, it, it's a shame because like visually, I thought that that ending sequence was gorgeous. Yes. Uh, I, I thought the space bridge made for an incredible lighting effect that was very well used to to enhance and raise up. What is cynically half of Omega Supreme as a video game boss shooting at Decepticons? Uh, they took that, which is in Machinima's hands. That's what it would have been. Look at everything that Fort Max ever did in Machinima's series, or when a Titan was literally a big arm that came up through the floor once. Uh, that Omega Supreme sequence, if we leave out the part where it's enormously out of nowhere. Uh, right down to how did he fit underneath the space bridge? Yeah. Uh, d- who did not notice him crawling under yeah. there <laughs> to, to burst up from underneath? It's like but, when the St. Uh, Bernard dog tries to sneak uh, underneath something. You're like, nah, nah, dude, we can see you. You're, you're massive. The you Omega can't. Sentinels yeah. invented mass shifting. Yeah. yeah, he just was tiny, and then he, <laughs> then he got big, and he forgot to make his... His legs were there. They were just still small. Uh... But but the the whole sequence of him like it looked gorgeous. You could again, I could see the storyboarding. I liked that Omega Supreme was actually from the waist up, very animate. He was doing a lot of stuff, whipping around, shooting things, swatting things out of the air, uh, and then it was all encompassed in this beautiful lighting effect from the space bridge. It was a gorgeous sequence that felt like the epic ending of a series mm-hmm. for sure. Um, narrative. The moment you start thinking too hard about the narrative of it is when you know you start doing our thing of going like, yeah, so where do you, why, why did, especially if you didn't like, actually, I want to know, like, like, how did you guys, <laughs> TJ, how did, given that I know for a fact, you just told me you didn't see Omega in the fog in that one scene. Mm-hmm. Like, like, how did you react to that? Like, did, was it, was it a big, like, Oh, or were you like, wait, what? Yeah. Like, there's part of me go, Oh, right. Right. Omega Supremes in siege. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. 
I guess that's a thing now that no one mentioned at this point. Yeah, like, let's think back to that scene where it's just three Omega Sentinels in the smoke and going like, that would have been real nice to have, like, a little bit of banter where one said, you know, like, you know, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it's time that we weren't neutral anymore. Maybe we, you know, maybe we're, yeah. co- you know, maybe we're actually, like, in the wrong here. Just to give me a little bit of dissension and not just, like, three ominous shadows are one mind. Yeah. And, it's, like, it's imp- just, I can't imagine if you didn't see Omega in that little sequence to hint that he's thinking otherwise, like, for his arm to come up out of the floor where it's like, didn't y'all just say no? Like... <laughs> Like Aaron, mm-hmm. it sounds like it sounds like you didn't see him either until I mentioned yeah, it. Yeah, like, I, I mean, that, I did you react I, similarly? I figured that Omega Supreme was going to show up at some point because otherwise, then it's a big old Chekhov's gun. Um, but it, it was definitely a case where it's just like, you know, and again, it's something where they could have shown different colorations or something to show even at that point with the three shadowy ones that there is some difference there, some descent there, not that they're just three aspects of the same thing you know I, I, again it's it's a thing that like a minor touch can make a major difference in that and you know the minor touch of like 40 percent less fog on that not just a long yeah. kind of hover out because well they they did the minor touch it's just it sounds like a lot of people didn't see it yeah. well no and then and then uh. that's where what i'm saying of like yeah you, you got to sit there and, and look at it like oh and you we see one of the sentinels in the fog and maybe he believes prime okay well then you then you show it and maybe even i'd have to go back again but you have them travel off screen in the same direction to be that they're traveling in the same way but not necessarily say it say it you know there's plenty yeah. of other things that could be done but when it's i've got to have my you know my desk monitor here in front of me with that called out for me to go back and look and go like oh yeah there is omega like i didn't see it on the tv when i watched it on on the 4k in the other room you know so at that point is it terribly there like yeah yeah you know that, that's that's when you watch those bad netflix videos or netflix youtube videos of like 200 things that you missed in umbrella academy season two and, in this case, and it's like you, you oh, weren't supposed you, to miss it. If you paused it <laughs> and then rotate it ninety degrees, zoom in, and you see the the thing in the background, it's like okay, that's yeah, I missed that because that's a deep hidden Easter egg for the people that watch these videos later, one frame at a time. That's not what you want. Omega Supreme is listening to Prime to be you. I, I I do want to say I'm sure people did like if I saw him people oh, had to I, have I'm, seen I'm, him but I'm it, sure it was, it's astonishing but... to me like it's not just you two you're not the only two right. people who have told me they didn't notice it and I'm like oh I think I might have just been lucky that I was looking like, yeah <laughs> especially uh, and again uh, I think it's a thing that comes down to the the pacing of everything in 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 this series is it like two thirds speed. Their speech speed, their character interactions between characters, their motion. It's not. I, I want to add pep- one. I want to add because okay. Jen had a really good point she made that I like could not disagree with when I heard it, like basically the night at 5 a.m. that night <laughs> when a couple of us were in a Discord. Uh, 
But like, once I wasn't watching the show, I could not deny there are also a lot of sequences in, in this series, which are people in a room talking about what they're about to do. And they're talking about the next scene. And then the next scene is people doing the thing that they yes. were talking about while talking about the next thing that's yeah. going to happen. And uh, and I was like, yeah, you're right. And I, I meant to bring that up earlier, but I'm happy I just it just popped mm-hmm. back into my mind because I think it's also a, a wonderful extra bit of whipped cream to add to this whole notion of like the show, in some cases, not doing enough tell and and yeah. just showing all the time while simultaneously being full of expository dialogue. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it's a thing that I think uh, I think part of it then is you lose attention. So like e- yeah. even at the end here. So I I just was rolling through the last episode again. So from the time that it cuts away from all of our dudes on the bridge until the point where my monitor sees enough of the arc and hung out in space to be visible is pretty close to 10 seconds. Now, that's not mm-hmm. bad. No, sorry. It's longer than that. It is... Yeah, maybe, maybe about 15. Maybe about 15 seconds here. I'm, I'm looking down at the time code, not trying to, like... I'm just saying we can't, we can't, put, we can't put their but, pacing into this right, podcast. Right, I know. <laughs> but it, it's, it's a significantly long time for it to come to... And here's the cliffhanger for the next season. And oh, that that cliffhanger, that cliffhanger on the bridge. Yeah. Um, I was informed on good authority that was supposed to be a post credit stinger, but Netflix said we we don't do post credit things because of autoplay. Yeah, uh, yeah because which, as soon as it gets past the first name, it kicks to Transformers will return for chapters two and three, and yeah. up next Stranger Things because you want to watch that again. Um, oh, they didn't give me. They gave me like a Viking show. I'm not interested yeah. in. But anyway, but it's a thing that's like okay. You you want to have that as a post credit stinger style thing? That's cool. I can dig it. But also, like, I was already grabbing the controller, the remote to to stop what was going on because it looked like it was just doing a long fade to black, and maybe Netflix wasn't responding the right way because occasionally it gets dumb on things. And then, like, oh, no, there it is. And it's just, again, a case where everything is going just a little bit slow in all of its pacing. And I think that you could really trim up a bunch of stuff just on the editing. Oh, no, yeah. on the editing floor. Not even in not even in script, no. not even in how things are shot, but just tightening things up to make it feel quicker and keep your attention more because it's it's in, in editing in, in editing you could tighten it up a bit but like oh if you had everybody on board it'd be a lot better i'm not there's 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 a lot in the base like there's a lot in the base level like i i really would like to know if the animation was done before the voicing or after because that would help inform some of my critique because mm-hmm. a lot of my critique is really kind of the tone of it and where i go with it really crutches on whether or not the the voice was done before or after the animation because like it's so it's so hard to tell and and you know the voice direction certainly still contributed but i want to know if that was maybe partly informed by matching to existing screen length or not um it also i i, I meant to mention this earlier but like i feel we should say you know the the elephant in the room with the voice stuff uh like you know gary chalk uh, on Facebook did like, you know, leave a critique about the, the voice performance, which I feel really supports my comment on the direction more so than the acting. Um, 
But it is worth mentioning that Cullen and Welker at a show earlier this year did mention in regards to this show that it is because, it, you know, they're not in it. Part of the reason is because there is a move to go non-union with a lot of stuff so that they do not have to pay um, the Cullen and Welker prices specifically mm-hmm. or, or whatever. Like to, that, that does go in a bit of a split direction with Cullen and Welker because they're uniquely also very expensive. Right. Um and and uh, and I I want to mention it because it is due diligence to mention that and it is a problem uh I think that attempts to save on money means attempts to skirt around union protections for actors my only qualm I have with the way that the general public seem to talk about it a lot is usually that turns into yeah and those actors weren't very good they're non-union and like to me that's BS like don't don't fall down that trap yeah. like that's un- that's unfair uh that that propagates parts of performance unions i don't like which is the notion that there's a level of of talent audition you have to do to receive their protection uh so i want to stress like i want i want to stress and mention there is a union discussion uh, union oriented discussion to have about some of the voice stuff please do not start disparaging the quality of the actors themselves because i do not think that's fair nor do i think that's accurate uh, I, I think that these actors, like, these actors all did a fine job. A lot of them were under a tent of direction that held them down. Several of them managed to break out of that tent and did an excellent job, I think. And, and, uh, Jason Marnoka and Frank Totoro, I think, are standouts with good reason and they are laudable performances. And I hope they are in even more Transformers stuff. And I hope that they can have union protection when working on some of that other Transformers stuff. Um, but I, I don't want to not see them involved uh i would like to see them involved and protected mm-hmm. uh because i think they're very talented people uh I, and and boy am i happy that they got to be in something of of length and and baseline quality you know uh that that matches up to their talents um but uh yeah i wanted to get I, that that was actually my a third bullet point i i, I really wanted to mention because I, I it was occurring to me that we hadn't really brought it up uh I got two other ones. One of them was Omega Supreme, which I guess we did just end up talking about. I, I forced that one in. Uh, I was happy he was in there. Would have been fun if I... I was actually wondering if we were going to see him transform and go after the arc. Yeah. Uh, but, but you know, if he's not, then it does mean we still have some juicy potential for season two. The last thing from this season, though, I, I want to touch on a bit more heavily is that is that I did like a lot of the Impactor and Ratchet storyline. Uh, and I mm-hmm. think that it deserved a lot more screen time than it got. It was it was very much not on screen very all that much in, in the greater runtime of things. Mirage being another part of that story in a smaller degree, but Ratchet and Impactor were a fascinating storyline of you know a rote storyline, but a fascinating one. Uh, Impactor. Uh, it was a, an interesting idea to do with Impactor, knowing that character's background. Uh, to 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 have that as that character's sort of arc, uh, he and Jetfire both did have some odd things. Like I thought it was hard to ignore that it felt like they were directed when they were Decepticons to actually sound like sadistic supervillains. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, to the point where Impactor's voice gets less throaty the more good he becomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Like Jetfire in the episode one is very kind of sinister and a little bit sadistic, and then it's ep- episode two where now he suddenly has some honor code. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, well, he, yeah, he he was going through a, a, an almost like right down to having a cool sword, like a Dinobot arc. Uh, but Impactor, 
like there's a part in in one of Impactor's final final episodes. I forgot if it was five or six. Where like early on, Impactor's like, we need to make sure we wipe them out. And then later on, he's like, we gotta protect the space bridge. Like right down to his voice changing, uh, which I I think was intentional. There's no way it could be that stark without that being intentional, which is just more confusing than anything else. But Impactor's arc was was. Uh, one of the stronger parts of the show that that was part of the storyline that I, I, you know, they ended up chickening out on. But he was a linchpin character in communicating how wrong Megatron and Optimus both are. Uh, and the fact that he was like, I'm not picking I'm not picking a faction. I'm sticking with the guy who saved my life. And like, that was a really mm-hmm. cool th- thing to do. I am really let down that they went with the most rote. Like like character capsule ending for that kind of story to do, which is, and then Impactor sacrificed his life to save Ratchet, and it's like that's so boring. <laughs> such <laughs> such a boring decision to make. Like like I was I was really let down because I was like, it's just okay, sure, yeah. In the high school version of this, his his pathos is he then must die to prove he has become good, but like. Again, adolescent storytelling. Like there's there's and, other things you can do that are more interesting. Yeah. yeah, and it's but it's it's again bizarre on like the damage scale of Cog can take this massive blast that wipes out like a yeah. third of his torso. <laughs> One shot takes out Impactor. Like we could again, Impactor, you could say like, well, well who knows how much Ratchet fixed him up? Impactor literally lost limbs the first time yeah. he got wiped out. Yeah, the first time oh, it was that like killed oh, Moonracer. Hey. Yeah. Here's an arm. Yeah, that's probably not good. Oh, well. We'll give yeah. up on him. Yeah, the, the damage scaling thing, like, the only reason I don't mind it is because Cog does actually seem to be the outlier. So it just means Cog is cool, which I'm I'm down with. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it, it, was, it was disappointing to see Impactor get offed like that. Like, you know, maybe they'll, you know, repair him or whatever, you know, kind of walk yeah. that back a little bit. Um, I would like it if it, they do, because it's wasted potential otherwise. I, I do like I do like his dynamic though. I like him and Ratchet. I like the di- oh, yeah. I like the dynamic with uh, Mirage as well. I wish that had gotten a little bit more screen time to develop. Uh, yeah, it, like Mirage never really got to be like redeemed for kind of just being a racist. <laughs> <laughs> like they kind of redeemed him, but like the way that they wrote Mirage's dialogue, like it was hard not to hear it as like I think Mirage is actually just like a. A rich bigot, like yeah. <laughs> uh, and, 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 and again, I, I that's don't think the way that, that it was. Intent, it was but... like he was playing like Autobot extremists versus a decept versus somebody with just a Decepticon emblem. And again, you know, you could have played to Mirage's. You know that I guess the split is the Autobots were the ruling class, maybe kind of, sort of that they mentioned. <laughs> That was a really, really weird. Once, that was a really weird thing to bring up of. too. Like when they brought it up, and I was yeah. like, Wait, and it what? could have, and it could have even gone as, to be as personal as like, no, I remember you. You always wanted to go off to Velocitron to hunt Turbo Foxes and go like, see, it's G one, and you could also have them hate each other for interpersonal reasons, not just their badge and eye color. Yeah, like like there were there were things in there again. Again, it all backs up the Optimus is wrong side mm-hmm. of the plot that I wish mm-hmm. they had done. Where like when they're like you got to like when they uh, when they go back. So like, this is also slightly confusing, but like when they pick up Impactor and Ratchet, and they're like we're gonna fix the space bridge, and then they first go to the Ark to prep and then go to the space bridge, which on the Moonbase podcast I learned was another thing that was easy to get confused by. Uh, 
is that was the order of events. I'm 100% sure. Uh, when they're outside the arc cloaking field and they're like, all right, Impact, you got to take that calm unit out of your head. And at first I was like, oh, it's calm. And then he takes a rod out of his head. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a lot. And then Ratchet was basically like, this is, this is actually disgusting. Like what you're making him do. Like you're yeah. making it, you're making a Cybertronian pull his calm rod yeah. out of his head. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, and yeah, there was so much to that. Like so much that was, that was good show not tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was summarily dropped, I felt, by episode six. But uh, it, it made Impactor and Ratchet like such a valuable contribution for the time that they were there, even if it was for a story that went, un- I felt unfinished. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I feel like I feel like Ratchet's the only character in that show that really like that that emphasis on like exhausted from the war. Like I feel like as a war medic, that's where that belongs. Yeah, 100%. I agree 100%. Even down to the vocal performance. He he was the tired and angry who I felt like that was the character. That wasn't mm-hmm. just I was hearing voice direction. Yeah, that that it, it gives me hope. That, it gives me hope for Earthrise if they keep that's that. That's the too. place where tired and angry really makes sense because, you know, and again, it's, you know, I've had to patch together more, you know, and again, you want to play with other things. I've had to patch together more non-aligns than anything. All these poor people caught in the crossfire and have to choose a side to survive. Yeah, I yeah. again, the way you could have a, the same place and the same basic idea, but give it a depth at no cost and it's just give it give it give it flesh it out like like when we when i mentioned the expository stuff like in hindsight i was like all that expository talk that was kind of trundling water could have been room to let these characters also exist and kind of kind of expose layers to me a little bit and a lot of them just kind of felt like they're tired and angry and saying what's going to happen next Mm -hmm. uh and yeah it's it's a shame like like you know obviously but the, the, now that we're this far in this podcast, nearing nearing the end of it, like you know, this probably sounded pretty critical of the show, and I think it was. I think it is important to restate the very true thing that it sounds like we all came away from watching Siege in various different levels of Aaron at whelmed to uh, TJ or myself being like, I mean, that was all right. That was cool. It looked nice. And like, like this is important to restate. Like, it's not like we're, I, I feel like we didn't despise the thing, but no. it's also, it's also incredibly important to critique it like this because it, it it's it's on a it's a it's on a very front facing platform. A ton of people saw this. It's got good people working on it. It's got good cast and crew. It is so close that I I want to critique it this hard because I feel like there is potential that by Earth not by Earthrise but by Kingdom. We could end up with something that ends on a really strong note, uh, and a really notably strong note. I, I don't think the chance is like 100%. I think there's a good chance it's just kind of, you know, stays at this, and that's fine. I, I also want to stress there is room for middling Transformers fiction, like, you know, the mid tier, the Galaxy Force tier. Uh, and, and, and obviously I will acknowledge for some folks, Galaxy Force is not the mid tier whatsoever. That's either higher or lower, but like, just in my own mind, like, there's room for this. Like, bear in mind, we just had Cyberverse, which was excellent. So, to a point, I feel saying, like, I can't believe this Transformers cartoon was so bad, they're wrecking everything. It's like, yeah, but also, we just had a really good one. And it and the really good one, it's not we just had it, it's still airing, technically. So, so here's a this is different question okay. for you that I had somebody float me, and I thought absolutely no, but then had to think about it. So, mm. they say... 
like parts two and three are coming. Yeah. Is that Earth Rise and Kingdom, or is there Siege Two and Siege Three before Earth Rise? I am quite sure it means Earthrise and Kingdom, and and I'm I'm also agreeing with people who hypothesize we're seeing the Earthrise show sometime at the end of this year, early next year, uh, aiming to have the Kingdom season out around summer 2021. Yeah, uh, yeah. to me that makes a lot of sense and that fits a lot of timelines, like especially if it's six episodes that are 17 minutes each. Like, I I feel like Earthrise as a season has got to be at least like you know well underway if not being polished mm. right now yeah because we uh, so we did see like like the the big artwork for siege in general has always had that arc at the top of it flying off as the big like yeah that's the point of this part of the story and we got that at the ending of the of episode six yeah and and i I even feel like in some of the ad copy they they straight up said like you know this trilogy is from the generations trilogy we're doing right now uh I, I mean, if if we're wrong, we're wrong. It's not like I'm going to be like, how, how could they not do Earthrise next? Although, that leads I mean, me to our, I think, our, our, our good, good. I mean, there's places they could go if they wanted to keep doing more Siege that I would be perfectly happy with. Like, well, I, I, I think that segues. I got a feeling. Here's my hypothesis, where we can maybe hypothesize a bit about Chapter 2 Earthrise. Uh, given, given what Siege looked like, for better and for worse... I very much do not think the Earthrise episodes will be entirely on Earth, nor do I think Earth will be in it very much whatsoever. And I don't think we're going to see any humans. Do you think we'll see Bumblebee and Wheeljack transform now that they can have Earth modes? That is probably priority one, because those robots are already rigged with skeletons. So... That's that, like that's part of the work done already, <laughs> I guess. Uh... As far as like having them do stuff other than transform, uh, I just I'll be surprised if there is more than one or two humans. Uh, I, I really got a feeling like you know the fact like I was excited at the end of Siege to see what the Alita crew do next. Alita One, Chromia, Red Alert, and Jetfire, possibly with Omega Supreme. I don't think we'll see it at all. I mean, I I'm really excited to see what they do next. I- in their in their tussle with Sound Blaster, well, as an entire season, Optimus Prime, <laughs> Optimus Prime was the one thing keeping the treaty from being signed. So what if Alita just signs a treaty and that's it? Hell yeah! Like I just I'm I'm sure there will be at least one episode on Cybertron in the Earthrise season. I'm sure there will be with that crew again, or at least parts of that I, crew. But I, mean, one, I feel like there might be more. One would hope. Well, like. Yeah, there's part of me is like I want to see like what happens with like Elita One because the Autobots now do not have their leader and they're still in the middle of a four million year old war and the struggle to keep Energon flowing. Yeah, that's still a bad situation that needs attending to. Also, that red bumblebee, that red bumblebee is still in a base that's shut down. He's still ready and waiting to be bisected by by you know perhaps yeah. a, a very violent husband and his master wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> also, I have a deep need for an episode that is just Sound Blaster and Swindle beefing over turf. If they can do it, then hell yeah. The only reason I don't think it'll happen is because there's no there's no Swindle. Toy. Let me. They could recolor <laughs> Hound. Let me hope. You know, no, just just do Detritus as Swindle. Just give him Swindle's character. Who'll know? Throw in a bit where he's like, yeah, I used to be on Junkion, but they threw me out because I was too greedy. I was too 
too good at See, capitalism. the rough thing with all of this is, again, it seems like this was written to be all seen at one roll from the beginning to the end. You're thinking episodic television, where you can have one-off sideshows, and that's not going to happen with well, hey, the next hey. bit, unless they they change a lot. What if it is one episode, and then a two to three episode other jaunt, and then two more episodes of Titan episode one? I just think with all those things made already, all those assets made, I, I think I think I think that'd be neat. I I sure do. But well, all the assets, all the assets yeah, are there, yeah, and, they and are. No one's gonna no one's gonna convince me that that would not be taken advantage of, especially as a means to not have to come up with Earth settings because. I think the Earthrise part of the, this next season is going to primarily be the Quintessons. I think there's a decent chance they might be the ship that Teletron uh, picked up. So I, I just I, I think there's there's a lot that allows them to barely have Earth in Earthrise, and as a result, that leaves a lot of openings to keep coming back to some of the siege stuff that was good. So I, I, I like I'm not I'm not there's a bit of pie in the sky, but I really am trying to couch it in some likelihoods like it's way more likely that they spend time on cybertron over like making a cg spike and spark plug who meet the transformers on earth because then they have to come up with why we never see any other humans right except for they Uh, won't because they couldn't come up with why they never transformed here's well here's the thing like you could like going into earth like you could have like how like you there's different ways you can set this up where like on the way to earth they start preparing by like taking earth modes but yeah. they would have to have prior knowledge of what earth modes look like well you get you send uh, you send the what's it you send the the, the beetly booter whatever it's called <laughs> i mean the thing that goes beep, 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 like I mean, flies over it satellite scan like you could have it to where like 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 they scan earth in advance take their earth modes Quintesson meddling happens, and they end up in the past to set up Kingdom. Yeah, I mean, I, that's what I think, is that they're gonna... The, the, everyone who is coming at this from a more nostalgia end, the way this is like a big twist, is like, oh, they're gonna land on Earth. And it's like, what if instead they hit Quintessons, and at the end of Earthrise, go through a portal and end up on prehistoric Earth in Kingdom, where there is there are no humans again, because it's prehistoric Earth. Uh... I just feel like that's that's a natural progression that also accommodates what appear to be the limitations of the production. Um, also, I think that we do get like one Earth scene because I, I did not know this. It was uh, Mikey told me this, I think, and Jeremy Jeremy confirmed it. I missed this, but in the solicits for Dead Optimus, you know, alternate universe Optimus, uh, in the solicits, apparently they very much said as w- as will be seen in the Netflix trilogy. So apparently, apparently there was ad copy that implies alternate universe dead Optimus will be in some kind of scene in the Netflix trilogy. Okay. So I'm wondering if they're like part of the swerve is they're like, we're doing the 86 movie, but we don't have the budget. It's an alternate universe. And then go over to like, what if the Quintessons caught them before they got to earth? Woo. Alternate universe. Uh, Quintessons maybe have foreknowledge going to the cyberverse realm. They maybe have some foreknowledge of what happened in that dimension. They're like, yeah. hey, if we don't cut them off, eventually they we blow up our own planet. So, <laughs> yeah, the Qu- yeah the Quintesson we we get in Earthrise is the one from uh, the '86 movie. Just escape oh. to this universe. 
I'm so down for this. I'm so down for this. I like I like these kind of time travel hijinks. They remind me of uh of uh Binal Tech and Alternity uh in in a way that I enjoy. I don't think it's going to be like, you know, like that, but uh I just I I I have some positive feelings going into the next things because I feel that the limitations involved along with the G1 love that the the top-level production people have will force interesting decisions that were able to be avoided in Siege. Um, so I, I, I have some hopes. I'm still keeping the bar at that Galaxy Force level. I'm not, like, moving it up to Cyberverse or Animated or Prime or anything. But um, how, how are you guys feeling, though? Like, like Aaron, how are you feeling about watching Chapter 2 possibly later this year? Cautiously optimistic. Like, I... All right. You know, being, you know, when I say I'm whelmed, that means that, like, I'm I'm like you. My knob is in the middle. I'm mm. I'm not like, wow, this is blowing my mind. This is better than the Bayformers movie, the first thing that ever did. Woo! And it's not like, oh, this is utter garbage. I've wasted, uh, you know, 120 minutes or 144 minutes, whatever the total runtime of all of it together was. Like, it was, it was a show. And it wasn't a bad show, and it wasn't a good show. It was it was a show. I, I think that there's a lot of stuff that could be done better. I'm afraid that if it's that sort of timeline that we may be significantly past where maybe they could do things like up the tempo adjust for issues, critiques. adjust for critiques. <laughs> you know. Because yeah. if it's a case where it was animated and they're having to match language after it, then that probably means that they're a lot further down the animation track. And and maybe are locked in and deeper things. I don't know, but yeah, like I'm I'm hoping that that a good show comes out of it, that it grows the proverbial beard and improves significantly, um, and becomes a I great. I realize when I I realize when I say adjust for critiques, that probably comes off in a way I don't mean. I'm not saying they should listen to us, the fools. Yeah. yeah. But, like, I mean, like, they, like, I really, mean, they should. No, no show, they should. No, but no show in a, in a production like this should be like stopping everything to go see what the message boards and, yeah. and social medias are saying, and then like changing all their plans around that. That's ludicrous. <laughs> but like, uh, I, I hope that I hope that my comments about an adolescent approach to some decisions matures in yeah. the next couple parts. And, and you uh, know, I th- I think a lot of the points that we hit on throughout this discussion are are things that aren't necessarily a you should listen to us out of any sort of because we record and publish things but more so yeah, but yeah. more so oh, along yeah. the lines of like you know the the show not tell hey sometimes it's okay to tell and just general pacing i i i think that you know after watching it with alfie i think both of us came to that conclusion and then like the first four or five things when i saw people talking about it all kind of had the same opinion of like, man, this needs to like pick up the pace here. Come on, and yeah, and, and I, I want to accommodate like, I, like, like I said, I I feel that this is not uniquely, but it's it's not super common that I'm going to watch something and go like, you know what? I can see how people love this, and I can see how this can bounce right off someone, and like, not really go any farther than that. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I, I want to make sure there's room for folks like, like, you know, folks who loved it. Like, I don't think you really need to hear a podcast tell you you're right necessarily because mm-hmm. you enjoyed mm-hmm. it. That's the important thing. But I, I want to leave room for folks who, who had a lot of critique for it because like, I think that I, I'm hoping that our discussion kind of expanded some of the reasoning, uh, on, on how this could be enjoyable and also what it could have done better uh, so that it's not like like a contention between critique and folks who just really love the thing and because it's it sucks to like if someone really likes something especially if I'm gonna maybe maybe lay out a little thing here kind of sucks if someone goes on Twitter and says on their timeline to nobody man I enjoyed that and then a bunch of people like reply to them going like yeah well I hated it let me tell you why I hated it mm-hmm. uh, yeah so, sometimes I feel like, like you know, yeah, have discussions. Sometimes I just feel like it's a little bit um, mean <laughs> without meaning to be. Uh, I don't think anyone does it out of spite. I just think it it, it can be a bit much sometimes. But uh, yeah, like like I want to I want to be able to say like or to share that you know your critiques are coming from I think very solid places, and and I think there's a very baseline to this that will make some folks happier on that baseline you know before they even get to the end of episode one yeah uh like the the way i the way i always try to tell people about critiquing is generally like you can tell if a critique comes from a place of love and not spite like we have this like passion for transformers we've been following it for this long and you know we you know we are capable of seeing it for what it is enjoying some of it and going well this could be better without having to say we know better or it's all awful Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and I hope that I've also made it clear that like there were high points in this, and that for me, a lot of the high points were the voice performers. Uh, I really want the voice performers to get their due credit, and I feel like that's getting lost in a lot of the discussion. Uh, and and I I mean, I, it sounds like I'm making an excuse by talking about direction, but like I didn't just come up with that halfway through episode one. Like that was a point that was stewing in my head for all six episodes. And I really, truly think a lot of folks saying the acting was bad are actually without meaning to saying that the direction was bad. And it is just not, it's not out out of completely justifiable ignorance of the process. It is not coming out in a way that I think is very, uh, constructive mm-hmm. to the performers and especially because a lot of them are non-union performers who are active on social media i feel really awful for what some of them may be reading uh so you know yeah, I'm i am feeling a little bit defensive for it's them. a yeah. little bit it's, it's important to note that this is not the first time we've had a situation like that in transformers like if you talk to like you look at the cast that we had for like transformers energon there's a ton of talented voice actors there you know, all you know, you yeah. know, you've got like you know Gary Chalk and David Kay and Scott McNeil, and all of them are still doing the show. So you know they are capable and very talented voice actors. But if you talk to people who worked on Energon, they will say, yeah, they just the direction was just really quick. No one was really like putting in any effort on that end, and yeah. you know, just the lackluster you know energy that that show had is all down to the person who has to steer the ship who mm-hmm. didn't want to do anything. Yeah. I mean, the the saddest story of Energon is, uh, I always forget his name, um, TJ, you're the one who alerted me to this way back, mm-hmm. the guy who played Kicker. Yeah. Uh, oh. I can't remember the actor's name. Oh, uh, Kirby Moore? No, no, no. Oh, God, I'm getting... It's slipped my mind, wanna, too, uh, but he's... I'm going to look no, it up. It's, look it up. it's Brad Swale or Kirby Morrow. It's one or the other, because they were both at Metro... Oh, God, it's blurring in my head now. <laughs> Brad Swale. Yeah. It's Brad okay. Swale. 
Uh, Kermit Moore I remember, was the second hotshot. Like Brad, Brad Swale, I believe I'm going to double check this too, but like he likes he 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 was kind of hyped to be in a Transformer show. Yeah, like he, yeah. like he was spoke. Yeah, yeah, and, like he like. He had a, he knows that a lot of people did not like Kicker whatsoever, and he's like, I don't care. I got to be on Transformers. He just loved being a Transformer character. Yeah, and to this day, that is his only Transformers role he has ever had, was the dub voice for Kicker in a production of questionable direction. Uh, and I'm like, I'm like, we're not gonna like friggin' lay into Brad Swale over this, right? Because like, obviously, he is talented. And obviously he wants to be there, so what could have caused that performance to not be up to par? The voice director is where I immediately go, in my mind. I don't know if I'm wrong, I'd like to know, but from what I understand of production, that's that's where the chain of command goes, right? Uh anyway, that that, that was kinda that was, I, I didn't mean to like harp on that as long, but uh Final final thing here, TJ. What about you? Uh, what are your expectations for Earthrise? Any any uh, any predictions? Just any hopes? For me, Dreams, Earthrise yeah. is kind of going to ride on how much of Earth is involved. Because the very notion, yeah. like the very concept, like the idea of Earthrise is you're seeing Earth like appearing on like the cusp of the horizon like earth rises what you see if you're on the moon mm-hmm. yeah so like it tells me like we're getting we're close to earth we're on the way but i don't want it involved that much enough for them to like get their new vehicle modes but beyond that i want some like i kind of want some outer space antics like yes. i i want i want ship combat i want uh, like, I I want the I like I want like a few, I I want more than a few episodes of just like hijinks on a Quintesson ship, whether people get captured or whether someone goes under judgment, that kind of thing. And some aliens too, like yes, I just talked about how I don't think they can really do a whole lot of humans, but you know, humans are a thing that human viewers tend to scrutinize a lot more heavily. Yeah. I mean, if a, if jump a, some squiggly aliens, I mean, like some blob men or something. If a, if a Skuxoid gets in there, you know, I wouldn't mind. I love the Skuxoid. Please put the Skuxoid in. It's G1. You all love it too, people working on the show. Like, it's it's your thing. It's a G1 thing. Yeah. Uh, like, like I'm, I'm also curious, like, obviously, obviously, because he's in the poster, Galvatron appears at some point in the next two chapters. Those posters seem to be at least in some way involved, even in these animated productions. So, uh, I'm wondering because he is a siege toy, uh, whether or not they also start going on the Unicron track. I think that given how much the folks working on this seem to love their old cartoon, they are probably going to go in the Unicron direction, which I, I mean, yes, <laughs> let, let me tell you, if you're sick of the all spark, <laughs> let me tell you how much, how much we've. I, I, Unic- I, I, I don't. Th- I don't think in, in a series that's probably going to end up eighteen episodes total. I do not think you try for Unicron. 
No. What if they Omega Supreme him in, and it's just like he just, just pops like he up out of Earth? What's up? It's me. <laughs> you missed me. I was in the fog in a nebula. It's about twelve episodes ago. It turns out there's a bit too much fog. It's hard to see me. Also, don't look for my legs. But like, well, it's, it's me. <laughs> what if what what if they steal the other plot point that everyone has stolen? Like like it's ep- it's the end of episode six of Earthrise. They're crossing over the moon. There's Earth who's fading into view, and oh my God, Earth has a mouth i mean it's in the hasbro bible that also always says use the all spark so i bet you it at least crossed the table of the folks who are working on this uh i i mean i would say also as far as setting your expectations if as a hardcore transformers fan in that context you can think of predictable things to do i would expect that's probably the thing that will happen in most given situations with Earthrise. Limit yourself to looking at the cast of toy CAD models, which, you know, stirs that up a little bit. But, like, I'm expecting Unicron antics. I'm expecting more of people saying the old spark in that exact tone. Uh, and uh, I, because of that, I'm, you know, keeping, I'm keeping the bar yeah. at a certain point. Uh, I think, in the end, Siege's quality was also tempered to me in whatever direction because Cyberverse is, like, from this year and was also very good. So I, I I think that's still going to be on my mind when watching Earthrise, and I think whatever the next cartoon is, depending what it is or if there is another one, uh, or if I just start watching Rescue Bots Academy, that'll be on my mind when I'm watching Kingdom. So like like we're, we're, whatever happens, we also still have this Transformers fan thing where we have multiple. There's always multiple things going on all the time. So if one isn't all that great. Kinda, it's fine because there's another good thing happening somewhere, probably. And if there isn't anything good happening for you, there may yet still be some fiction you hadn't found out about yet somewhere in in the back corners of the you know franchise history. So, uh, in the end of the day, like like I would I would recommend don't get too bummed out or too over, you know, mostly don't get too bummed out if you didn't really dig it. Like there will be other stuff. There will be more stuff. There will be bits and pieces of these that are probably fun to hear about in hindsight. It's never going to be machinima bad. I think that's impossible at this point. So uh, I'm looking forward to, to to seeing what the last two thirds of this very adequate and and uh, whelming Transformers production are with very good voice performers uh, and hopefully hopefully maybe some better voice direction uh, in future. But uh, I, I am also I am kind of looking forward to seeing like you know how they operate through limitations going forward because being on Cybertron was like the best place to be when you got limitations right like <laughs> the moment you start going through space into other planets you start having to like come up with more reasons to not see things uh, and hopefully as as Aaron mentioned hopefully they will not just continue to also not mention any of those reasons mm-hmm. in some cases but uh, yeah. Uh, I think that that does it for for this episode of WTF and TFW. This wasn't like a special episode necessarily. This is just another numbered episode. But I'm just going to roll in some of these custom talks. Because after we did that aeronautics one, I was kind of like, numbered episodes could also just be special episodes. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's fine. Uh, we I don't have to start figuring out how we record one one to two hour podcast and also record another two to three hour podcast in the same span of one week. Maybe we just just talk about this. It's on our minds. So, uh, if you enjoyed that, uh, please check out some of our other podcasting. If I got this up on YouTube, um, I got a couple of podcasts up on YouTube, so uh, I'm going to try to keep posting ones of note like this where possible. And, uh, 
tune in uh, next time for some more Transformers talk, whatever it may be. Aaron, thank you for joining me, and thank you for uh, for managing to fake your way through having pretended to see Siege. Yeah, I, th- I thought I did a pretty good uh, job. This whole time. I, I was actually taken a few times. Like, I believe it. Uh, and TJ, likewise, thanks for coming on. And once again, sterling performance. I really, truly believe you watched Siege. God, I didn't even get to talk about Battlemasters. It's weird. Oh, my God, actually. What? So what? What was the decision on any Battlemaster that's in any of those Voyager Netflix? Who's Hotlink? And why does Hotlink come with two Battlemasters that are nearly identical? Referred to as the twins. Did they not? Am I making this up? I feel like a toy fair. They're like, as for the twins, well, just wait till the show. Yeah. And look, what? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I mean, the old cartoon, for that final topic, I, I, I really feel like that's a case of like, hey, we gave them all the, all the notes and, and the machinima guys were just like, yeah, I mean, yeah, there was notes given to us. Like Hotlink was in the show because there were there was a purple seeker with Hotlink's colors. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure you could go, you could get a color chart, put it against a wall, throw darts at it, and hit the primary, secondary, and tertiary colors of whatever darts you hit. Or there was a really sick like black seeker with red details who I don't think died, and I, I kind of want to know who they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, like their version, their yeah. version of Red Wing. Yeah, red detail wing i i just think given like how much i know we all talked about the spoiler box and then like scrap face and hot link like and the battle ma- the battle masters i think early on we were all still saying like maybe they're just in there to fill out the packaging but like scrap face and hot link and the spoiler box i just i'm still kind of, every time i think about it again i'm like man how much energy did we put into that after revenge of the fallen I thought I managed to stop doing that. Like, <laughs> I got tricked. Anyway, uh, we'll talk to you all later. Stay safe out there. And, like, friggin' wear a mask, pal. 